since we're already talking about the fucking meat of the episode, we should probably record. We just, I just saw the movie. Like, uh, it's been like five hours or something like that since. <laughs> you know, the movie started for me five hours ago, five basically. Hours ago, so, yeah. like, three hours is when it finished, basically. So. <laughs> yeah. This is a rarity for us in that I I usually like to go see a movie like once or twice or like have at least a day between me watching it and us talking about it kind of thing. I very rarely like to jump in my fresh thoughts because usually I go in like, I liked it. Great. And then like all the problems. Yeah. All the problems come up (laughs) afterwards. And then I sound like an asshole. You know what I mean? Like a year later, I'll be like, wait, did I say I liked that movie? Remember when I told you to watch that? I was an idiot. Don't watch that. I was a fucking moron. Don't watch Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Never do that. Never do that. (laughs) Uh, I watched the first episode of that. Did you watch the first episode of that? No, not yet. We can talk about it later. (laughs) At some point. Anyways, welcome back listeners to Dance Robot Dance. This is the 278th episode of our weekly podcast where we talk about all things geeky and nerdy from a decidedly not safe for work point of view. I am Tim coming to you from Toronto, Ontario. I'll be hosting this week's ghostly episode and with me I've got Mark from St. Catharines. What's up everybody? I don't know. It's been uh, hectic. I mean, I'm, I'm planning for a trip next week. You're like, oh, you're on your way out the fucking door as we record this. Yeah, so I guess yeah. we should like give some context. We are like the reason why we're recording. I'm not sure if we how much of the, the recording caught this part of the conversation, basically. But like, <laughs> I just watched the movie we're talking about. Like, I just watched Ghostbusters like an, a couple hours ago, which is very not my usual thing. Yeah, uh, because Tim's like out the fucking door to go to Georgia. Like, yeah, what tomorrow morning? Georgia, spending. No, it's not tomorrow morning. It's uh, Saturday morning. But like, our flight's like super early on Saturday, so I figured I didn't want to be like packing and trying to record an episode in the same night and everything. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. yeah, we're going down there for a week. Uh, well, I mean, we're we're going down for like American Thanksgiving with uh, my mother-in-law because like we haven't seen her. I mean. I haven't seen her since you left. Maybe a couple of years at this point. Well, yeah, since we left, but Alicia stayed down. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Was like Alicia for a couple months. Yeah. yeah, when when she wasn't able to come into Canada yet because the border was still closed. Uh, even if you were immediate family of a uh, citizen, but yeah, she hasn't seen her in well over a year at this point either. So, Fair. but yeah, and then we're going spending a few days in Atlanta prior to Thanksgiving. And even though the fucking vaccination rates down there are still like. 40 50 percent kind of thing the numbers like the covid case numbers are pretty low because they got herd immunity the other way <laughs> the way that you probably shouldn't but they did so well put yourself on the short list for a booster when you get back you know what i mean yeah well. you can fucking get one of those i know they're giving them to the healthcare professionals now so well i think we're we're still a couple months away from when we're eligible for those because yeah. it's six months after your second dose. second dose and our second doses were like uh june kind of thing yeah. right june july uh, june july something like that i can't remember anymore it's on the thing i've shown the fucking piece of paper yeah, exactly <laughs> pdf like 400 times because i keep going to the yeah. movies for some reason <laughs> yeah at least this time my movie theater was fucking empty but yeah uh, anyways, anyways, let's let's july uh was my second shot so there you go yeah uh so let's get into the the little meager fucking bits of nerdy news from this week because fuck all really happened biggest thing was that disney plus had like their second like disney day disney plus day event where they gave like pretty much like just some first looks at a few of the things that are upcoming like nothing new was announced or anything like that but we did get a first look at ms marvel she hulk and moon knight and then also a little like 
basically just like concept art for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that pretty, that showed Obi-Wan having like a lightsaber duel with Darth Vader. Uh, so um, I don't know. I, I looked at all of those. The the Marvel stuff all looked good enough for for what it is, kind of thing. Like I, I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. know much about any of these characters, like Ms. Marvel, She Hulk, or fucking Moon Knight. But uh, She Hulk and Moon Knight are books that I've read in the past for various reasons, whether they be like whoever was writing them or because of like a, a story was like, oh, this is something you have to read, like a one of those like you have to read kind of books. Mm-hmm. Peter David wrote She Hulk for a long time too. Yeah, I think you're right one of the big runs that he did along with Aquaman. Yeah. So that was a run I read back in the day. I mean, I'm all on board for all of this. The, the CGI all looks good and expensive still. Like they're still doing whatever. So weird having banner still be like, yeah, banner was, yeah, that that's one thing that I uh, wasn't really, wasn't banner sure was if that was going to happen, but yeah, yeah, banner was, well, there, there was like banner, like Bruce banner. And then there was also banner Hulk. Yeah. in the She-Hulk trailer. So, I <laughs> that's mean, that's what I mean. There's both yeah. like both, you know what I mean? You see both in the trailer. So, yeah. That's going to be interesting, like how they're going to handle that and stuff like that. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious how much CGI they're going to do cuz you know the Hulk and She-Hulk are both going to be CGI. That's going to be expensive. That's an expensive series to do if one of your leads is basically like yeah. a Hulk character, you know what I mean? Like that's not yeah. a cheap thing to do. So, we'll see how that works out for them. Moonlight yeah. I'm excited for just cuz like it'll be nice to see Oscar Isaac in something where he is the lead and he doesn't die 15 minutes into it, basically. <laughs> or he actually gets to accomplish something aside from making rude gestures at Carrie he, Russell and disappearing. in Star Wars. Yeah, but he didn't do anything in Star Wars either. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he got uh, Admiral Hodo or Holdor. Admiral Hodor <laughs> pissed off at him. <laughs> Holdo, Admiral Holdo, that's it. Sure. Yeah anyways yeah so that was pretty much it for the disney plus day stuff there wasn't really anything else in there oh the other sorry there was a one other big thing that i want to mention which is the x-men animated series from the late 90s that we have talked about in the past is apparently getting a revival so this is spinning out of disney marvel like acquiring fox and everything now they've got the rights to that series and it's been on that series the original series has been on disney plus but now they're yeah, they're going back to that series and not till like 2023. So not next year, but year after. But I mean, I'll, I'll fucking watch that. That series was great. I have. When was the last time you watched it? I've watched bits and pieces of it on Disney Plus, like back when I was okay. first just like kind of exploring it. And I, I I still have nostalgia for it. The voice acting on it was fucking fantastic. The animation. Yeah. yeah but like the writing on it was solid. Like the storylines and shit that they did were pretty good. I found like as a show, it doesn't hold together as nicely as Batman, but like it's. Oh, yeah. What does? See, I, I always find those shows like so super kitty at this point. At least Batman, like he punched people in the face and like actually make contact occasionally. Hmm. Like the, the X-Men show is always like, here's Wolverine showing you his claws that he's going to get subdued before he used. Because <laughs> like, you can't show him do anything. He just fights robots all the time. Uh, so, I mean. I don't know. That show was always just like it's X Men light. It's you know what I mean. It's Kitty's first X Men. Like it's where yeah, a lot yeah. of people. I, I have a lot of nostalgia for it, right? Like I have a lot of a lot of people do have nostalgia for it. Yeah. The problem is, like for me, it was also the thing that introduced me to the actual comic book lore. Like that's yeah. where I started actually reading and like realizing, like, oh yeah, those cartoons were pretty in depth for Saturday morning cartoons, but the mm-hmm. comics are. There's a lot of shit here <laughs> that I need to read, so it became like yeah. a different endeavor and that and i just i've never found that show holds up as well as i mean even spider-man holds up a little bit better than x-men 
I've always found. Yeah, I did watch some of that. Yeah. The only thing that that's weird for me about that Spider-Man series is how much like internal monologue it is. I f- always find that like a little bit jarring looking back. I guess it makes sense because like Spidey's always up in his fucking yep. head, like monologuing to himself or whatever. But it relies really heavily on that. I'm used to Peter Parker yeah. talking to himself all the time. So like it, it kind of. I guess for the show, it made sense when I, especially when I was a kid, like the, the word balloons were, it was just like, that was the word balloons to me, right? Like his internal monologue. Mm. So I was like, Spidey without that is lacking. I think that's actually something that always lacks from the character when you're not reading him in comics is his internal monologue is always part of it, Like part of the fun of the book is you get to kind of ride along with everything that even he's thinking kind of thing. And yeah. it's right. That's how, yeah. That's why you love Spider-Man. Why you love Peter Parker? Cause you're right in his fucking brain. Yeah. Speaking of Spider-Man, hopefully we still love Spider-Man because there was a a final trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home that as far as like, I don't know, this whole marketing campaign overall just seems really poorly planned out because I feel like the whole fucking movie has just been spoiled for me at this point. Like, There's no point in me going to see it. I know all the story beats. Like, I'm just going now to see how they play it out pretty much like action wise. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that is not what the Marvel movies do, generally speaking. I'm to the point where like one of the versions of the trailers clearly shows like there's a CGI person cut out of the shot and you can see somebody <laughs> reacting to getting kicked in the face by a CGI person who's been excised from a shot. And, so, and I'm like, this is in the trailer. Like, how fucking chintzy can you possibly be with this stuff? Yeah. Where, like you miss something like that. But I mean, they, they they straight up show here that, yeah, I mean, it's clear fucking Willem Dafoe's back as Green Goblin again. And yeah, so. Oh, I mean, they show everybody, right? Like you see Jamie Foxx as Jamie Foxx. They did a much better job of making him Electro this time. At the very least, he looks better. Uh, The lizard still looks much fucking worse. Oh, but I mean, like, it's better than it was. So, like, I'll give him props for that damning by faint praise here at this point seriously like, I, even i'm i'm struggling to find a reason to like want to see this movie because it looks terrible like the premise of it looks legit bad to me like yeah, it, it just looks messy. it falls right back into like peter parker's a bumbling fucking idiot who can't learn his goddamn lesson again i'm like can we just why we have some fucking character development here yeah, can we like, grow up give him a little bit arc. <laughs> besides i like tony stark and now he's dead well it's like the problem is like you this version of the character, the one who's like an Avenger and like all this other shit should be a, a, a more mature Spider-Man. So it's like yeah. they're trying to have their cake and eat it too kind of thing. They want him to be the high school kid, but they also yeah. want him to be like on the big Avengers team. And it's like, you can't. It Three doesn't movies work. In, can he have his shit together? Like <laughs> <sighs> that's the thing. He shouldn't have been on. A, on a, yeah. Because he's an Avenger, he should have his shit more together at this point, And he doesn't. Yeah. And it's frustrating. Right. Whereas like, if you just did this and he hadn't been an Avenger, you're three movies in, he still doesn't have his shit together. And this is the movie where he finally gets it together. Cause he's got to fight the six. Fine. Fine. Yeah. But you can't do both and mix and match. But this is, we're fucked because of Sony. Sony's just, <laughs> Oh boy. Morbius is happening. Hopefully Morbius this movie exceeds our expectations. Everybody's we will, back. We'll yeah. We'll see. see. Fuck. There's just they're letting Tom Holland go fucking wild in the in the press and shit like that too. Like he's talking about. I think he quit. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. He has like said like he's not sure how much longer he's going to play the character and stuff like that. But he also apparently said that like filming this movie was kind of crazy. Like they were doing like rewrites on the fly and shit like that, which you can't do on these fucking like big budget fucking CGI fests. Like how do you do that? 
I couldn't imagine how fucking because they're just uh, especially as they're piping in fucking cameos left, right, and center, right? Like you know yeah. this movie's got like just from the rumors, like all fucking three of them are in it. I don't give a shit what anybody fucking says at Marvel or Sony. Both the other two Spider Men are going to be in this movie. You're going to see them both because at this point, if they don't, the internet's going to fucking cave in on itself. Like yeah. the Marvel fan base is going to fucking lose their minds because they've been teasing this if for they, so long. Yeah, if they fuck up a Marvel movie or a fucking Spider Man movie this bad, it's like what's the point of fucking showing the other Spider Men's villains? if you don't have the other Spider-Man. It makes no fucking sense. They're just random characters that are showing up in because you want to have a Sinister Six thing happen. Even though it sounds like they don't even have six villains. Like, uh, I mean, Sandman, it, Sandman, Sandman Doc Vul- Ock, Vulture. Yeah. Uh, not, yeah, Vulture. Vulture, Vulture though. Because So what we see in the trailer uh, is Electro. Electro, Sandman, and uh, who's he fight in the lizard fight that fight him, right? Jump yeah. at him. And we see Doc Ock and Norman Osborn. So that's five. The vulture's still out there, obviously, but we haven't and seen Venom. him in any of the trailers. Venom, right? And Venom, right? Venom's also around, which yeah. that sucks. Like all these options sucks because <laughs> a good payoff for vulture. Cause like yeah. that's a whole fucking separate movie where they finally have it out. Like as you know, mono mono fucking duke it out. And I wanted yeah. to see that shit too, because Michael Keaton was bad as his vulture. And then this Venom thing, which is a disaster, and like shouldn't happen. <laughs> so I shouldn't touch any of this. I don't want to. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I slouch into the movie theater ashamed of myself again because <laughs> it's Spider Man. I'm just gonna go because I like to be whipped. Yeah. <laughs> please, please prove us wrong. Uh, oh. Another thing that is apparently whipping its fans is the Cowboy Bebop live action series, which dropped on Netflix and is not getting great reviews. Apparently, is just super uh, is it uneven. Bombing? Yeah, it's just for everything that they did right. It sounds like they kind of did something wrong. So it sounds like every fucking thing we've seen like for the past it's, like six months been that way. Yeah. <laughs> There's been some stuff that's worked pretty well that, that's the good has outweighed the bad i would I well, you got I've, you got dune and i got shang chi at one point in the last couple of months and we had suicide you got a squad good satisfying bond movie too yeah too long also we died <laughs> it was really weird i'm still not sure i feel about that i gotta rewatch it it's out on vod now and i've yeah. been meaning to like sit down and have another gander at it but whew. yeah that's a that's a sit you know what i mean yeah. The only other I had like two other things. One, there was a sequel to that Rick and Morty Samurai short. I haven't oh, watched it yet. Did you? It yet. Yeah. No, not yet. I haven't had a chance to take a look at it. That's yeah, it's out. It's up on YouTube. Uh the first one was was fun. I mean it's not Rick and Morty. It's you know, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's Rick and Morty Samurai Lone Cub, uh Lone Wolf and Cub kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah, I'll watch it. Uh, and then the last one is just like breaking as we're recording this pretty much or the day we're recording this, which is that Warner Brothers is making a Smash Brothers style game where they're oh, like all that. their characters are fighting each other. It's called Multiversus. So it's like DC characters and Arya Stark from Game of Thrones and Looney Tunes characters and Adventure Time characters. And I think like some Steven Universe characters and a bunch of others. I don't. Oh, and Scooby Doo characters. You can fight as Shaggy. Uh, I saw the trailer and like a little what? like behind the scenes thing with what the lead dev. And I was like, or one of the devs anyway. I don't know. And I was like, I, I'm not a big Smash player to begin with, but like, this just looks like. In in I what world know. can Superman know. can Shaggy go toe to toe with Superman? <laughs> 
I mean, like, if you think about it, Superman punching Batman in the face should cause his face to skyrocket off of his face. You know what I mean? Batman is in this too, yes. And Batman is also in it. So, like, basically any of these other characters getting into a... Aside from Tom and Jerry, who are identically <laughs> cartoon... Who are immortal, apparently. Yeah, to survive <laughs> anything. Nobody should be able to get into a fist fight with Superman and survive. But, like, there's two Injustice games where, like, you could actively have like the Joker get into a fist fight with Superman and like come out on top. So it's like fighting game logic eventually has to kind of win yeah. out. I'm just not a big smash guy. This looks kind of goofy to me. Yeah. And if I was them, I would have just let Nintendo pick at my fucking IP and, you know, probably just put Tom and Jerry and Batman and Superman and smash. I mean, it's just going to be a big fucking ad, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah. This just looks like IP apocalypse at this point, which I think is one of the headline I read on like fucking IO9 or something like that. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like a IP nightmare. Sorry, it was the headline. <laughs> Warner yeah. Brothers Multiverses looks like IP nightmare. LeBron James Space Jam warned you about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty it's much. Like fucking yeah, right on the nose. It is. It's just like <laughs> this is how we brand ourselves now. Like especially Warner Brothers, how disparate a bunch of fucking properties could you possibly get? Like Tom and Jerry, Arya Stark, Batman and Superman, and the Scooby Doo gang. What? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Who else you want to throw in there? You can have like. Fucking it's Warner Brothers, right? You have fucking Tony Soprano walk in because it's HBO and like he's just there fucking whipping <laughs> yeah. gobble at people or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> some of the fucking prisoners from Oz and shit show up and start just start just shanking Superman. When's fucking Al show up from Deadwood or like <laughs> what's his fuck from uh or like Westworld, like the, the man in black, you know what I mean? Like the, the black hat or something like that. These are all Warner Brothers properties that could just show up in here. Oh, Dolores. Dolores from Westworld comes in and just exactly. starts like fucking, fucking, fucking ruining shit. Up. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But like, that's what I'm talking about. This, like, that's what this is, basically. You could just throw anything in there. Yeah. So I don't know. Whatever, man. That was just a weird one. But yeah. Anyways, that was all I had. Did I miss anything, Mark? Uh, not that I'm currently aware of. They're adding a new Iron Fist. Oh, that's cool. Okay. In the comics. Yeah. They've done that with everybody at this point. So I guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah, uh, hasn't been really been like any good gaming news this week. I'm just like waiting for the good old Black Friday sales to start hitting the interweaves. Right. So yep, that'll come soon. Yeah, cool. Steam sale, Steam fall sale. Anyway, yeah, cool. We can move on to our geek of the week. Geek of the week is the segment where we talk about the nerdiest things we've done in the past week or so. Mark, what was your geek of the week? And it's not that. Where's my library? Why am I not? I don't know how to use Steam anymore. Oh. <laughs> Prince of Persia. So, like, they're remaking in the process of remaking Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time, the first original. I don't know. It's the first remake they made for PS2 way back in the day. But like, for some reason, they dumped them on Steam all super cheap. So, like, I got all of the games for like a dollar a piece. I was mm-hmm. playing through the first one again. God, that game is still like for like a PlayStation Two era game. Such a fun little piece of kit. I really did quite enjoy that one. Uh, so I've been playing through a couple of the old, like, so I guess this is not like the original Prince of Persia games, not the PC games, like from back in the day, yeah. like that thing, but like the, the newer version console of ones. it that came out, the console ones that came out in like the early 2000s, like late 90s, early 2000s. Those are 3D, like yeah. early 3D, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the first one, uh, The Sands of Time is just like one of my favorite games ever. And when I saw it pop up as like a kit on Steam for like a dollar nine or something like that, I was like, I can... I can pay a dollar nine to play through Prince of Persia and see 
how far I can push the graphics on that old ass game with my current <laughs> hardware kind of thing. Pretty far. It still looks like shit because of it. I mean, it's still a game from 2002 or something like that. I think originally they were the first, that first one came out, but it still plays like I still enjoy the way it plays and I'm looking forward to the remake. And it's one of those ones where like, usually when I hear there's a remake coming out, I'm like, Oh, I won't touch the old one again. I'll just wait for the remake to hit. Which yeah. apparently bit me in the ass. Do you see how bad the GTA remakes are? Have you been paying attention I, at all? I've seen a little bit, yeah, about it, and yeah, it sounds like kind of a mess. I did, I was gonna pick them up just to like take a look at them, but now I'm like, mm, I'll wait till I can get that super cheap. Prince of Persia: Sands of Time did not have that problem because it's a PS2 game and uh, <laughs> <laughs> ran. Your PC can handle that, okay? PC can handle it just fine, and I had a good time, good old time playing that. Uh, it was a little weird, like playing uh, a game. I remember playing on PlayStation on PC with Xbox prompts on an Xbox controller, but whatever. At this point, I'm so like almost controller agnostic that like it doesn't matter as long as I kind of know which button I'm supposed to be pushing. I'm okay. So yeah. there you go. Just mash until you hit the right one. Well, but it's like it's I can look down, but like I I basically know the, the layouts now. It's just like I got to remember which controller I'm holding when the button prompt comes up. I'm like, uh, shit. Eh, what do you do anyway? For me, my geek of the week is long time. Listeners will know I am a cocktail nerd. And so uh, Alicia and I and one of our friends met up at a book themed cocktail bar called Famous Last Words. That's sort of for anybody that knows Toronto and kind of in the junction area. So the way the place works is all the drinks on the menu are named after a book and they like try and sort of make the drink like represent the book in some way Uh, i am not a big reader i mean unless it's fucking comics so like i didn't really get a lot of the references the drinks themselves were really good though and uh, we kind of happened upon a trivia night Uh, we did pretty terrible because it was all about books and none of the people i was there with are really big readers Uh, but we were happy that we apparently did not come in last place Fair enough. So there was at least one other group that I think also did the same thing we did that were just like looking for a, a bar to go to and did not realize there was a fucking trivia night happening that did worse than we did. So spoilers, uh, my co-host for next week probably would have been very good at that because he reads a fucking ton. So <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. But, that sounds like something Paul would have loved the shit out of. So that's yeah. cool. It was, it was a fun bar, taken. like nice, nice decor and really, really good drink. So if anybody's looking for cocktail bar recommendations in Toronto, I will put my weight behind famous last words. Cool. All right, so with that, we can move on to our meat of the episode. Recycled ectoplasmic meat. So there's a lot of recycled shit. <laughs> it really, really is. So we watched the long anticipated slash maybe feared by some movie uh, sequel, I guess, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which uh, I know we have been talking about. For fucking years at this point, because it yeah. was one of the most delayed movies due to COVID. Uh, originally supposed to come out in June 2020, mm-hmm. and then by some fucking massive marketing mistake, got delayed past Halloween this year. God, could you uh, imagine? Should have been. <laughs> and what I, what baffles me about this is again, I think we talked about it on the podcast is like this is just Sony running their fucking slate at this point, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Bond is a Sony movie. This is a Sony movie. Flip this in Bond, like. Yeah. 100%. not flip this in bond at that point this way you get ghostbusters out for halloween when yeah. it would have crushed and then you get bond out for thanksgiving which is basically how you normally do things so yeah 
who's running Sony right now? I mean, I mean no Karen, fucking we just talked about the fucking Spider-Man trailer and we don't want to go back. You know what I mean? But like, let's answer the question about who's fucking running Sony right now. Cause yeah. it sounds like monkeys. Basically it's <laughs> not good. More or less. Yeah. So we, we both got to go see it. Uh, I got to go see it on like a weird Wednesday night screening. Uh, and Mark got a, like a, thursday matinee pretty much the weirdest yeah. fucking screening i've ever been to that yeah. wasn't like one that i ran myself so. so uh so before we we really get into it mark well i guess i should say so yes yeah, so ghostbusters afterlife uh which was directed by jason reitman who is the son of ivan reitman who directed both of the original two ghostbusters movies stars mckenna grace as phoebe spengler who we find out is egon's granddaughter finn wolfhard as trevor spengler who is egon's grandson carrie coon from fargo as callie spengler who is phoebe and trevor's mother egon's daughter paul rudd is in there as phoebe's teacher gary gruberson and then I mean, it's no secret at this point. Everybody knew that all the original Ghostbusters were coming back. And I do mean all. So, yeah, actually, that is uh, something we'll have to talk about at some point, because that's like an actual (laughs) question about, like, how do you feel about essentially resurrecting the dead for your fucking entertainment? We will talk. I thought it was done tastefully. But anyways, we'll get there. But before we go any further, for any of our listeners that have not had a chance to go see the movie and are okay with with a very, you know, with with going in with spoilers. Yes. So you're done if you don't want to listen to spoilers for this movie. So (laughs) it was fun having you guys here. Yeah. Bye. Mark, what was the plot of Ghostbusters Afterlife? Oh, man. Oh, man, this is tough, too, because like there's no like there's no full synopsis online anywhere. Oh, no, 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 no. no. (laughs) Uh, I I did my best. It's going to be a little muddled. Uh, I I basically got like it's bullet points. And like, I apologize for how badly I'm spoiling this, but we're just going to spoil it because whatever. We basically open on like kind of like one of the scenes we see in the trailer. I think at one well, actually there's been so many trailers. I shouldn't even refer to the trailers anymore. There's like, half the movies already <laughs> the on the internet coming up for two years. Yeah. But it's a flashback to like before the main part of the movie. And like, we're watching an obfuscated Egon get chased from the mine that we've seen multiple times in the trailers back to his farm that we've also seen multiple times in these trailers mm-hmm. by something ghosty. He has a more elaborate trap planned on the farm that doesn't work. So whatever is coming towards him, I'm assuming it's Gozer, but like, I don't know, because it comes up later again where it is Gozer. Well, because it, it comes up behind him in the chair and it looks like one of the terror dogs. So could, yeah, you're ahead right. of one of the terror dogs. I guess it could be the other terror dog, right? Because I'm assuming he's yeah. got one of the two main, like he's got Zool in. The, yeah, the, he's, yeah, he's got, yeah, he's got Zool or whatever. Yeah. 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 Vince Clotho. Clotho. Yeah. Either way, so so the trap doesn't work that he's got. He's got all these traps laid out in the field kind of thing, and it's like a super trap, basically. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't work. He runs into the house with his PKE meter. He hides the the trap that he's got Zool or the Keymaster in. One, one or the other doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. And closes it up. And at that point, like, the ghost kills him somehow. Like, it just comes up. He does the thing that the gatekeeper does in... 
Dana Barrett's apartment, right? Like the hands come up out of the chair. That's and, right. Yeah, I guess that's how the that's how they kill him. And that was the first thought. The first time I immediately thought, I'm like, we're already into nostalgia bits. Like we're already repeating bits oh, yeah. from the other movies. Yeah, we're, like we're already rehashing. Oh, yeah. that was fast. Like we we <laughs> cut right to rehashing already. And I was like, that's okay. <laughs> so yeah, but that's at that point that it's a hard cut. The title comes up: Ghostbusters Afterlife, and we we're now we get to meet the new Spenglers. Right, because he's dropped his PK meter on the floor, and no one picked yeah. it up. Under under the chair, it falls yeah. under the chair, right? Yeah, nobody picked that up when they pulled the body out of there. Like nobody noticed that just sitting there. Like we just put the, re- I guess the TV remote. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess he wasn't well liked, as we'll talk about. But you know, that's fine. Yeah. It's weird. Anyway, now it's time to meet the new Spanglers. Um, Callie, I think, is the mom's name. Carrie Coon. Yes. Kelly Spangler. You'll recognize her from, yeah, like a million things. She's in Fargo. I can't remember. I was sitting there watching the movie and I'm like, what is she in? I can never distinguish her from the woman that played the female lead in Fringe, whose name I can't remember right now, who played Olivia in Fringe. Yes, yes I know who you're talking about. You know who I kept getting her confused with, actually, is the Judd Apatow's wife. Oh, yeah. You know, I can see like for some reason today she pings the same th- she looks like a cross between that lady and renee zellweger and i was just like all right I, but like who is she i had to look her up after and yeah but she's in fargo she's great she's really good like she's i'll say she's uneven in this she's good in some spots but like there's some spots where i was like well anyway she is cutting the hair of trevor spangler who's finn wolfhard because he's in everything yeah although basically. less annoying in this than he has been before which elevates him to yeah. just dull so great. Yeah, he's fine. Yep. And then my favorite part of the movie, actually, his little sister is Phoebe Spangler, McKenna Grace, who is in the middle of fucking pulling the goddamn. She's fantastic. Power. Oh, she's really good in this. Uh, she's pulling the fucking power grid apart. Just the first sign that we get that she is little Egon version 2.0 of Egon here. Yeah. Because she's got like, what does she say she's doing? She's trying to give the their neighbors 240 volt service. Yeah, it was like the, it was out of phase or something like that. And so like she was trying to do something because she had like a fucking I don't know, she built some particle accelerator or some shit of her own or some emitter that she probably shouldn't have. So, yes, like very much channeling hard Egon energy. <laughs> I wonder if there really is someone out there who's like 11 years old and just kind of like the chaotic, like just chaotic, neutral, just kind of like physics genius kids go accelerators in their like, dad's garage and yeah, then like you hear stories about that shit i would like i would love to see that for real you're gonna be like living down the street from like a 12 year old prodigy like future tony stark who blows a <laughs> hole in the fucking wall of his dad's garage because he's like stringing <laughs> air compressors together for some fucking weird reason like i don't know whatever either way i i, I was like this girl was the best i was having such a good time like she was yeah. great throughout so, so much fun uh, so mom's cutting Finn's hair when the power goes out and it's shown like that Phoebe is the one doing it because she's a little Egon and is jacked to the wall wiring. Yeah. And like at this point, they're actually they're talking about like having inherited the farm and like going out to, you know, buttfuck nowhere to live or whatever. And like how broke they are, because then right then the like the landlord mm-hmm. knocks on the yeah. door and immediately evicts them. So we are into them driving out to the farm that they have just been left coincidentally i guess in somerville oklahoma and we're going out to oklahoma of all places which is interesting did you notice that the that little subaru outback that she's driving do you remember like the first time you saw a car converted into an ectomobile on the internet it was one of those little subaru outbacks oh really no i didn't oh that's that's fun 
Yeah. So like the first time I saw one of those online, it was that car. And I remember that becoming like a famous like conversion yeah. at that time. So that car that she's driving around is like the first car that any I remember ever seeing on the internet having been done up as like Ecto two or whatever. That's cool. That's a nice little nod. So it was a cute little, but the problem is there's too many of those. There's, there's a too, lot. Of those. There's fucking too many of them. It ruins your immersion guys. It's, like even me, like yeah. eventually it gets to me where I was like, oh, you know what? This is too much. Like it's too much. Yeah, anyway. there was, yeah. So they pack up and move to this farm. We drive through town. We see the restaurant that we're going to come back to later. They go to check out their new house. I like the cute little bit where like the mom tells Trevor's like falling in love with the waiter, the car hop. They go, they go to see, they go after the, the first earthquake in the house to the restaurant. So we'll get there in a second. Oh, right, right. right this right. is the point where like they get up to the house and the mom has to have Phoebe pick the lock into the door, which I thought yeah. was a fucking good beat. Yeah. I was like, yeah, at 11 years old, I probably was trying to fucking learn how to pick locks. Yeah, Kelly, too, so. Kelly strikes me as like Juno from like the movie Juno as a mother, basically. <laughs> kind of, it kind of felt like. It was like if Fankman was Egon's mom. <laughs> a little bit. Because <laughs> she's snarky, constantly yeah. snarking. It was a weird yeah. dynamic. Because there's that little bit where like every time they tell each other to go meet, they're like, go make friends, don't be yourself kind of thing. Like that they yeah. stay back and forth to each other all the time. And yeah, like, that's a, a weird snark. thing to say to your 11-year-old, obviously somewhat socially awkward daughter. But anyway, <laughs> we'll talk about her a little later. She, she's a little mean, I thought, in some spots. But well, she, yeah. Yeah, it's like a mom wine drunk kind of thing. Yeah, I guess there's that. Either way, so yeah, she has to make the, her kid break into the house. And this is basically where Janine shows up for the first and only like the first time in the actual movie. Yeah. And basically acts like the real estate agent kind of tells her that there's no money and anything that is worth anything that's basically sentimental value is left in this yeah. house. And that Janine has basically been like just kind of helping Egon keep the lights on pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, just kind of keeping his life organized until it ended, obviously. And, so and fucking him. Let's be honest. Like I, I like it's so weird. Who's the mom? Like yeah, they never do. Yeah, they they just completely fucking ignore that. Because it's like you would expect it to be Janine, but then it's like it's doesn't seem like it is. You would think she might acknowledge her daughter then. So like well, Janine always like they always have that will they won't they kind of thing, right? So I guess that they decided like they didn't. Yeah, I guess not. And they also kind of ignore Ghostbusters too in this movie. You know what I mean? Like they don't actively ignore don't, it, but they kind of don't acknowledge don't it particularly. It. Yeah. Also, like the car has not been updated. That's still the car from the end of one. Not like you never see the one A editions. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. Right. So like, th- does that movie just not exist? Which I mean, I guess means that game that we both like does not exist either. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I got. It. It's weird that they're just ignoring the second movie. You think they would acknowledge it at least? Because like that is a movie that happened. You know what I mean? It's not like a game or something. It's like. All fucking yeah, four in this movie. <laughs> like, can we yeah. please acknowledge it in continuity? Because even if it's not great, like, it's still a little better than this, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 tough, tough to say. It's tough to say. Like, they, they've never re- they've never reached the, the heights of the original. You know, yeah. <laughs> lightning has never struck twice in the Ghostbusters franchise. We won't even talk about 2016. Anyway, so <laughs> there's no money left. <sighs> Well, we always talk about 2016. It always comes back. <laughs> so there's no money left and they have to go basically stay at this house. At this point, Janine is left and the house starts to shake because now we're going to start doing like the earthquakes are happening fairly regularly. They hide under the, the roof. How they resolved that, though. Like, yeah, no, I thought it makes, causing the, it makes sense to me. I thought that was yeah. good. This script is pretty well written. Like, there's not a lot of like script jank in here. It's more just like there's, we're trying to do way too much. But not yeah. script jank. Yeah. yeah. 
at. Like we're trying to do too much. Not plot jank. Yeah, but the plot's actually pretty streamlined. I was I was like that I was actually kind of happy with. Like for the most part, it, there's some coincidence, but it's not like insane coincidence mm-hmm. over and over again kind of thing. Yeah, so now they go to the restaurant, right? Like one of these cool those drive-in restaurants, which is like a yeah. legit old school one. I've been to some of these that are like retro like reinstalled, repaved and rebuilt kind of thing. There's one in Salt oh, yeah, Lake that's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, and I loved going there. It's super fun. But uh, this is a, an OG one that's still in operation, it looks like, from like the yeah. 50s. Either way, Finn has a hard-on for this waitress, so he goes inside, and he's trying to like apply for a job, which I guess he gets. But This waitress that gives off like strong Zendaya, Mary Jane vibes. I kind of had Mary Jane, but like the other girl from Homecoming, the lead. You remember before they replaced her with... It wasn't Zendaya in the first one, right? It was another girl he was chasing after. It was Liz or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. reminded me more of the actress who played Liz in the first mm-hmm. Spider-Man than Zendaya. Although I won't disagree. There are some spots where she's snarking. And I was like, yeah, she's just doing MJ. Is everybody's got to play Zendaya now? Is that what we're doing? Zendaya <laughs> does Zendaya and everybody else also does Zendaya? It's too much Zendaya. I like Zendaya, but like even saying her name is a lot of work, you know? Yikes. <laughs> anyway, I liked her. She was pretty good. They don't do she's, enough yeah. with her. So. No, I mean, yeah, I feel like they had gone too much. The reason why I did like her is because she busts his fucking balls through the whole movie. And I don't like Finn Wolfhard that much. So I'm just like, yeah, bust his fucking balls. <laughs> it was a fun dynamic, right? To have yeah. like, you know, the cause a lot of the time it ends up being kind of the reverse dynamic. But yeah, having like the girl being like busting the chops of the new guy and everything like that worked well. I thought it was okay. The kids never graded on me in this movie. That's the one thing I will give it props for like way up front. Is it like one kid graded on me? See, he reminded me of a mutual acquaintance of ours, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, they're at the restaurant and like, I don't know. Oh, right. So like the when the mom and Phoebe order their meal, the waitress that brings it back to them is like, oh, are you guys like the dirt farmers family or whatever? Like they start referring to themselves as like, we live in that house now because yeah. like we were related to Egon. Spooky house out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody fucking liked him. They're like, oh, I'm sure we'll be missing. He's like, nope, and just fucks nope, off. Straight up, nope. Nope. And just walks away. The same thing happens at the hardware store like later. Yeah. They're talking about like at least there he's like, he was a good customer. He bought all sorts of weird shit. <laughs> Which makes sense because you gotta be buying all kinds of wonky D or shit. Mm. Totally makes sense to me. That shit was fun. I, I didn't mind that stuff. It just feels really weird. Like everybody just like hates Egon. You never, you never get the impression like people would not, hate Egon. Not the most friendly dude. And, I, and it sounds, it does sound like based on what, uh, yeah. what race was later on that he kind of like went off the deep end and went like even more like reclusive hermit, like kind of loopy. Which is weird as to the why you wouldn't go back and refer to like the, the Ghostbusters two and the game because like like by the end of the game he's he started to get some spooky shit. That he's yeah. talking about and like he's getting real paranoid about some stuff and like he's seen a lot of the portal shit he's talking about like real dark fucking experiments and shit yeah. that he's been doing like, so I, think. It's like, I was like oh that, that actually makes sense from like that like where they left the character after the game for him to have gotten really kind of weird and dark and like really worried about what Shandor had planned ahead of time and yeah. fucking off to a mine and stuff I was like oh that makes sense to me and then they kind of cut it all off by not referring to anything past like the original movie so I'm like oh yeah. so he just goes nuts after the first one because like the second one just didn't happen apparently. I guess the only thing that they Confusing. kind of go back and refer to in the second one is the occult bookstore that Ray's in, right? Like that he's <laughs> sure. in that in the second movie. Yeah. So that that I think is the only reference because they don't reference the events of Ghostbusters two at all, like the the Vigo stuff uh, in any way, shape, or form. 
Yeah, they never mentioned the the comeback, basically, right? Yeah. Which is like apparently what fed the game, kind of like continuing on from there mm-hmm. or whatever. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's just it's weird. It's weird that they're ignoring the second movie in particular. Yeah, to that, me. I that think one in like, particular, I agree. I like that, like when Finn goes in, he gets his balls busted by like all the kids and shit like that. Like he's the new kid. Mm-hmm. Like even when they go back to him later, because I'm sure there's a point later on where they go back to him and he's in the fucking freezer counting hamburger patties, hamburger patties, yeah, in the cold. Which I'm like, God damn it, the kids still do that to each other. Because we used to do like, <laughs> you got to go count the ice or count the lids or count whatever the straw. Straws was the one we used to do to the ushers all the time at the theater. <laughs> so you the straws counted. Can you go count the straws? Really? Yeah, I need like seriously. I need yeah, them okay. tonight because everybody like, has to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the rookie job. It sucks, but like yeah. have fun. You'll be there for a couple hours, and then like you get that look, <laughs> and then you can tell the real dumb ones because the real the real the smart ones will ask, but the real dumb yeah. ones will just go start doing it. Just go ahead with it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're just like. You're staying on the candy bar. You can't be an usher. You don't have the brains to be out here. <laughs> I can't trust you to work autonomously, so or yeah. to think autonomously. So there you go. Can't be out here anyway. I think, okay, right around here, I start to get a little confused because I'm pretty sure, like, the next day they drop him off at the job and she's going to school. But is there a scene at this point where, like, they go back to the farm and, like, she, the, the chessboard gets is, over and, like, she sets uh, the chessboard back up? I don't know if the exact, or, yeah, I think that might be that here? the night before. Yeah. Around here. So then, like, the next day that happens, like, the chessboard gets knocked over and the PKE meter goes on. And so she grabs the chessboard yeah. and sets it back up, like, the next morning or whatever. And then she leaves. And like the first move is made, like Egon makes the first move on the board or something like that. Like the ghost Egon. Well, she watches. Whatever. She watches it make uh, the the first move be made. He, she watches the third move be made, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Okay. Maybe. She yeah, sees the she... first one, and then it's like, oh, that's weird. But then she doesn't do anything, and she comes back and plays the move later. Anyway, it's really yeah. confusing. But she ends up kind of playing a game of chess with her dead grandfather with ghost Egon, which is cool as shit. You know, fine. If they're gonna do it this yeah. way, then like do it this way. Fine, I guess. Yeah. They go for it. So at this point, yeah, so she goes to school the next day, and this is where we meet Greg Gruberson. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gruberson. And like... No, Gary. Gary Gruberson. Is it Gary? Gary. Yeah. Gary Gruberson. Either way, I love it. I love Paul Rudd. <laughs> I yeah. love Paul Rudd. It's like a perfect he just, Paul Rudd role. It's basically God. Scott Lang again. He's just playing Paul Rudd. Is that all he does now? <laughs> just show up and they're like, we don't care what you say. Just, just say some Paul shit Rudd. about this. Just Paul Rudd this. Go yeah. Paul Rudd. <laughs> over there. In front of the cameras, Paul. Be Paul Rudd over there. That's all he does in these movies now. He just Paul Rudd's everywhere. And, and I love works. it. And it's fucking great. He's the best. Like, the girl's great. The little girl's awesome. He is just, like, the funniest fucking thing in this movie. He's great. <laughs> he's yeah. basically doing, like, Rick Moranis and Ray Stance all in one. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. just overly enthusiastic yeah, sure. and a complete goon. And I love every second of it. <laughs> Paul Rudd for the win. I think I want to fuck Paul Once Rudd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, every time he shows up in a movie we watch, we're like, well, that's Paul Rudd just being awesome. So, yeah. so when he, for some, why is Phoebe going to summer school though? Did they say it in dialogue? Cause it doesn't make any sense that the girl who can fucking pick think- the power grid. <laughs> Because mom's using it as fucking daycare. Let's be honest. I guess that's that's what it. Yeah, it's kind of what I thought too. When mom Callie is like, I just need you out of the house, so go to summer school. Up the fucking house, basically, (laughs) right? Because yeah, I guess that makes sense. Okay, that's fair. I'll accept that premise from you at that point. Because I had a question about that. I was like, why is she even in summer school if she can like rewire shit like that? I wasn't wiring shit when I was (laughs) eleven. You know what I mean? But he walks in. I like this guy is my favorite character because like he's 
Awesome. Puts on Cujo. Fucking Stephen King's Cujo on. <laughs> and I like that he's snarky about the fact that he's like, so your school's still fucking rocking VHS, but I found this in the teacher's lounge, fucking copy yeah. of Cujo. Puts it on and just walks away from these kids yeah, watching. Let's be honest. I don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. <laughs> here, watch this fucking movie for four hours or however long yeah. kids stay in summer school for. I don't know. Never went. Never had to go, thankfully. No. This doesn't interest Phoebe at all. And she follows him to the back because I get another earthquake happens at this point. Right. And she follows him to the back yeah. and they're like doing she he, she basically schools him on seismology, even though he's a seismologist. Well, he's been she sees that he's been clearly doing like some seismo, seismological research on Somerville kind of thing and has like a, a, a map and stuff. And then she like starts asking him about it and he starts like trying to teach her. And she's like, I already know all this shit. You fucking idiot. Yeah, she starts talking to him like he's a fucking moron real fast, which I, which is interesting because usually that's the point where like the, the child character would just drive me insane. But because she's doing such a good Harold Ramis like impression, I'm like, yeah. I'm on board. I like the way she's talking to him. Yeah, talk shit to Paul Rudd because Paul Rudd's the kind of guy you, get, you can talk shit to. And it's funny, right? Because he takes it properly. That's the other thing about Paul Rudd. He's the guy you could have somebody be viciously mean to. And his reaction to that makes you fucking laugh, right? That's a, yeah. It's a skill Paul Rudd has that not a lot of people have. So I don't you, know. You skipped over the introduction of podcast, which is entirely understandable because podcast is the most useless fucking character in this movie. He does absolutely nothing except just sit there and fucking like try and make jokes that don't land. Yeah, no. So, yeah, we do meet podcasts at this point, which just like I felt seen, you know, like I felt betrayed <laughs> by my podcasting ways at that point. <laughs> And like, yeah, you're right. He, the only thing he does that's useful is as he's walking home with uh, Phoebe, he takes her to the mine to show her. But there's no reason that fucking Doctor Mister Gerberson could have couldn't have done that, right? Yeah, like, he's wandering around with twelve year olds. That's the only reason why you probably <laughs> don't do that, right? Yeah. But either way. We've met podcast and we met Mr. Gruberson. Like they've done the seismology stuff and like she goes home and like plays the chess game a little bit here. And I think this is where Finn and his new girlfriend go up to the top and somebody says Gozer, right? Uh, may- maybe. I think that's, I think that's later. But anyways, it happens. Either way. So like that night, uh, Phoebe's at home and like the PKE meter goes off and like she starts playing chess with Egon. This is where she actively sees the peace move and says like, yeah. oh, so this is yeah. happening. And he leads her to the trap. And then leads her out to his little workspace using using the PKE meter. Yeah, using the PKE meter, he's leading her along. Like the lights go on and stuff like that, and he leads her like to the trap that he's hidden in the floorboards, and then outside mm-hmm. to his lab where like he walks her through, which was like a really cute scene that I really enjoyed for some reason. She fixes the was this the cyclotron. Yeah, yeah. The, the fucking fire pole. They still have the fucking fire pole. It goes down into the secret lab. Oh, so how do they get back upstairs? Exactly. Also, that's too much. And did you notice the Foley over top of it? It's the exact same squeak as Ray squeaking Squeal? down yeah. the first time. They Both times they use the fire pole, they used exactly the same Foley pole as they used in the original Ghostbusters of Ray going down that first time. And it, yeah. it's jarring when you hear like exact <laughs> audio poles from that kind of stuff. Although the score was not going to let up with that shit anyway. They didn't write any new score for this. It was all just Elmore Bernstein rehash, like rewrite yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was rehash and yeah. There was a, there, there's maybe a couple of, of added motifs and stuff, but it was like 80, 80 to 90% like reusing that, those, well, uh, one those score, Bernstein like, motifs, yeah. which I was yeah. fine with because we talked when we were watching the second movie about how like it lacked that yeah. same feeling of the first with that 
score. So it just felt a little like the video game where it was just kind of tacked on over top of stuff in some spots. Yeah, maybe yeah, they, they, over, they either overused it or it was used in a weird way over top of it. Either way, yeah, the mo- we'll talk about the, the the music and sound and stuff later because the proton pack, God, that sounded good in Atmos. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, <laughs> yep. And that it was really Atmos. cute, like uh, Egon like possessing the lamp and like kind of showing her where stuff was and that kind of thing. And like, I love the little like because he's just as snarky as her. She's like, "How did you build a mini cyclotron in like 1984?" And he fucking shows like the 48 goddamn All degrees the PhDs and them. stuff. Yeah. She's like, "Oh, oh yeah, you're you're ego, you're a genius, so that makes sense." So, but she yeah. goes and fixes the proton pack, which I thought was cute. She's really good, man. She's like she's never cute, whatever, like self satisfied or whatever. She's always earnest. Like it always just rings. 100% true. There's no bullshit to it. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. she just crush it. So, I don't know. This is after, I should say, isn't this after Gary shows her, like, figures out, like, oh my god, you're Egon's granddaughter, and shows her, like... I think it's the next scene. The next scene, is I think, it? is, like, yeah. she goes back to school with the trap, and he's like, oh, is that a replica? It's a cool replica. And she's like, right, replica? Right. What? And then yeah, he picks yeah. it up and drops it, and, like, a little bit of ghost comes out, and, like, it, it sparkles, <laughs> like, it sparkles, and he's like, oh, shit, is this the real thing? And then he shows her, like, the yeah the backstory and like tells her like what happened in 1984 which is mm-hmm. where like i'm like wait what about 1989 or 1990 or whatever the fuck the second movie was supposed yeah. to take place like what happened after 1984 whatever anyway it wasn't related to the gozerian cult so it didn't need to be fucking yeah. makes sense at least the fucking video game had fucking vigo in the carport so you could just like acknowledge it that yeah. happened and then just ignore <laughs> yeah it. just just saying sass and <laughs> I did like there was a joke. See, there was one podcast joke that I liked where he's like, it picks up after episode 47. And I was like, oh, God, have I said that? Yeah, exactly. It really, it really that. finds its voice in episode 46 <laughs> or whatever. Like, oh, <laughs> don't listen to the first 10 episodes of our podcast listeners. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. Fuck. Just start from this one and keep going. You know what I mean? If there's something, <laughs> At this something in the old one you want to hear, go back and listen to us bullshit. But like, don't <laughs> start from one. That's a terrible idea. Anyway, <laughs> there was a scene in here also where like, yeah, we talked about Finn and his girlfriend going up and seeing like something says Gozer to him out of the shaft of the mine. Shaft, also, yeah. this whole this synopsis is terrible, and I apologize, everybody. <laughs> I just saw the movie like four hours ago. I don't know, like I don't even know how I wrote a synopsis. We usually have at least like a loose fucking synopsis to go off of, but it's there's nothing anywhere. Yeah, like, I mean, even Wikipedia doesn't have any spoilers on it yet, which is shocking yeah. to me. But at some point, Paul Rudd and the mom ask each other out. There's also a, a, a fun point where, like, I see. I like the scene where podcast takes her to the mine, though, because she figures out a whole bunch of Ghostbuster stuff for me, kind of thing. Where she's talking about the selenium, like girders right. that they mined out of it, and something like you're like, yeah, oh, like it's like weird that yeah, it's yeah. weird that they would make make girders whatever out of, out of selenium. Yeah, yeah. And in your brain, you're going like, yeah, because I know what happened in 1984, and these kids don't. Cause yeah, because Evo Shander fucking made this like antenna of a building in New York City. Like, and- so. Why is fucking J. Jonah Jameson Evo Shandor? Evo Shandor? J.K. Simmons? Yeah. Really weird, man. Uh, <laughs> he's having a good Sony year too, apparently. Eh? Like, and Olivia Wilde was Gozer. And that was, that was. I'm. I like that they use her. The makeup, I would have done them. I would have just done the makeup the way they did the makeup in the OG movie. I don't know why they fucked the makeup up so much. Like, they added so much to it. She yeah. looks like Doomsday. She looks like Girl Doomsday, not Gozer. <laughs> Anyway. A little, yeah, a little more menacing. I, I don't know that 84 Gozer holds up in 2021. Though, so. I'm fine with it. I, I just watched the movie the other day. It looked good to me. Either way, no rose-colored glasses. No <laughs> rose-colored glasses. No, anyway, at some point in here, also, Paul Rudd asked the mom out. Like they, they decide to go on a date. Either way, 
So the next day, and they have they have such good chemistry too. God, they're great together. They're like, yeah. I mean, it's Paul Rudd. Does Paul Rudd have bad chemistry with anybody? Have you ever seen him like across from somebody where you're like, uh, that was limp and lifeless? <laughs> I mean, Carrie Coon too. Like Carrie Coon is, I loved yeah, her in that, that season yeah. of, of Fargo, and she she plays across from him really well too. Yeah, there's a lot of like there's a lot of good chemistry in this movie. Uh, none of it has to do with Finn Wolfhard. None of it. Or or podcast. I don't know, man, the 46 just like that killed me. Like it just <laughs> broke my heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so the next day, Phoebe takes a proton pack out to the field and fires the fucking thing up with podcast in tow. Egon having walked her through how to fix it earlier. We've talked about yeah. podcast sets up some bottles on a heap, which then Phoebe fires at and completely obliterates. It was like, it's a, it a massive like forest fire, basically. Or oh wildfire. <laughs> First of all, none of them have radiation protection on, and she's just fucking around with a cyclotron. <laughs> it, it's interesting. It's a nuclear accelerator she's wearing on her back, and she's what like is that? The boys did. <laughs> I mean, like at least they were in their thirties and stupid men. You know what I mean? Like I understand this. <laughs> the girl probably doesn't know that it's. Um, actually, you know what? She's smart enough. She probably totally knows that it's radioactive. She knows. Yeah. Either way, she needs to shorten the stream up because she blew the shit out of all that stuff. <laughs> so they hear a, a ghost or something. So she goes to investigate and podcast tags along. A bunch of the trailer footage is coming up. Wait, have we we missed the point where fucking they open the trap? Because isn't oh. that like why that's why Muncher shows up? Okay, so when she brings the trap to the school, yes, the biggest stupid ball moment in this whole fucking yes. movie. Agreed. You're right. So yeah, when she brings the trap to the school to show Paul Rudd, they do that after that scene. After right after that scene. After he shows her the trailer and stuff, they cut to outside where Paul Rudd has got the trap on his Hyundai like an idiot, like on the roof of his they car. Know, they know what it is, and they know it's probably got a fucking ghost in it. And they're still the like, let's open it. What could go wrong? It's really dumb. They strap <laughs> it to bus batteries and then fire it up. And yes, a, a terror dog demon pops out and zips back to the mine or the gozer temple basically yeah back to the gozer temple inciting basically the inciting incident of the movie happens an hour into this movie at this point this is like where the pacing is where i will talk about a while to get going this like when we finally get to the actual plot of that at that point i am sorry i missed that that's i was like it's in my notes i just it is it's a very movie the movie just jumps the fuck around a lot you know what i mean like it's just kind of like uh a lot of things are happening but it's like not a lot of things are happening also it's a little the first half of the yeah. movie is kind of like dull, like it's kind of it boring, is. and then it yep. picks up a little bit, and it's just weirdly paced. So it, it feels weird when I'm trying to synopsize it because it's like a lot happens in the first hour, but it's all really boring. Yeah. So and then, like the second half of the movie, a lot more happens, but it's a little <laughs> bit more exciting, and like you know people finally at that point kind of thing, yeah. and like you know characters are back because that terror yes. dog demon goes or whatever like it starts causing other weird shit to happen around somerville starting yeah so things are starting to ca- get weird so now there's a ghost loose in this metal refinery place or whatever the fuck where she's practicing with this proton pack yeah it's muncher yeah it's a it, it, this thing eats metal which was weird i was like what kind of ghost eats metal but okay fine sure eats metal and then shoots bullets at children with his mouth I I guess Americans have just become that desensitized to school shootings now that we're like, let's have this like quirky, fun, spooky ghost shoot bullets at children. Did you not notice that like the sense of humor in this movie is like it's as black as the first movie? At the very least, one thing they they got right is the sense of humor is black as pitch. 
Yeah, like for even sure. the joke, like the jokes that are supposed to bomb that she's telling, they're not not funny. They're just so fucking so dark. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, like coming out of this little, cute little eleven year old like Egon clone is just <laughs> off putting almost. But yeah. like I liked that aspect of it. But then they go too far because the mom's super fucking mean all the time. Like she's too <laughs> snarky. But everybody yeah. else has just like it's zingers. Like everybody's Vankman in this. You know what I mean? Everybody's just zinging everybody. <laughs> So yeah. I don't know. So this thing shoots at these kids, which is a little intense. Um, <laughs> and podcast sucks at being a ghostbuster and can't deploy a fucking trap, old school trap properly. So yeah. the the ghost gets away. And as the ghost gets away, like they bundle their stuff and are going out there. Incidentally, Finn is working on Ecto-1. Not Ecto-1. Conveniently. Conveniently. That would be the word I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> and Egon gives him a little bit of ghost help to get the car started. And he get magically gets the car started and goes on a little joy ride through the field, which we all saw in the trailer. And well, yeah. it looks like fun. I drive Ecto around like that, too, if I could. And then he meets up with the two other kids. He meets up with his sister, Phoebe, and podcast. I wish they'd given him at least like a real name at some point in the movie so I could call him <laughs> something. Other than, he's just podcast. He doesn't know it. He's in the credits as podcast. The poor kid. Yeah. Anyway, so he picks up podcast. And Phoebe, and now they're going to chase after, and like this is all the trailer stuff, like where they're driving around in Ecto One, destroying yeah, the through, city, through and stuff the like city that. with the fucking gunner chair and the little RC RC trap and everything, which is fine. I like that sequence. This is like the kids' version of Ghostbusters, like the fun kids' version of yeah. Ghostbusters. They never really did, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so fine. I it was fun, and like it was dope. They had the little RC car, like the trap on an RC car. I thought yeah. like it was it's too cute, but I'm like fine with it. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. almost too cute, but it's like, oh, I'm okay. And I'm I can okay. totally believe that Egon would have fucking made that too, right? Like, I can totally believe Ray made that because he is a fucking yeah. child. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Egon yeah. makes this stuff that blows shit up from 40 feet away. <laughs> you know, catches ghosts with a trap. Ray's the one who puts the trap on an RC car so he can drive the car yeah. while he's driving the car or whatever. Fair enough. Anyway, so they're blowing up fucking town. They've cut the fucking sign for the burger place in half and shit. And all the while this is happening, Paul Rudd is on a date with the mom. And this obviously interrupts the date because after they they do catch the ghost and it's a lot of fun. Like the sequence goes on for a little while, but it's like it's fun. Go see it, basically. Kind of like I don't know how else <laughs> yeah. to describe it. And as they're kind of driving back to the farm, they get pulled over by the cops. And at this point, the cops have to call in mom and paul rudd who are on a date having a very awkward conversation about you know how her and phoebe interact and all that kind of stuff yeah when we move to the jail though we there's a fun beat where lucky oh lucky the, yeah. yeah lucky why lucky anyway lucky who's uh finn wolfhard's love interest uh celeste o'connor is the actress or actor whatever who's playing her yeah she's in the cell next door and she starts busting finn's balls turns out that she's actually the daughter of the sheriff who is like also from Fargo. Yeah. Also from Fargo. I was going to say there's a lot of Fargo people in this all of a sudden. That's because that's Bokeem Woodbine. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's Sheriff in, Domingo. And he's been in a bunch of shit. You'll recognize yeah. that guy. He's been in tons of shit too. So yeah, at this point, like they're going to let the kids, like the kids start, or no, sorry, the sheriff starts talking to uh, Carrie Coon and Paul Rudd about like what the kids did. And then the, they're letting the kids out. And the, like Phoebe really does not want them to leave the proton pack behind because like you know she's starting to feel connected to her grandfather or blah 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 blah. she knows bad shit's going down and she needs that thing so, yeah she also knows that she kind of needs the proton pack because shit's going on and of course this is like horror movie 101 fucking parents just ignore the kids even though like shit's clearly going on <laughs> 
and also like does she not is she not the least bit curious about like this thing that her dad built i mean i guess I, it's neither here nor there at this point i guess your kids just got arrested who gives a shit right yeah. keep the crap so she <laughs> brings the takes the kids home and i think this is where paul rudd goes to walmart like yeah, around here. it is yeah Right, because the date's over, so he's gonna go get some ice cream to like. Before we go too far, while they're in lockup, Phoebe gets her one phone call, and this is where she yes. talks to Ray. And this is where Sheriff uh, Sheriff Woodbine asks her, "Who are you gonna call?" Yeah, sure, yeah. Sheriff Domingo asks her, "Who are you gonna call?" Yeah, the, and she yeah. calls Ray. <laughs> so she calls Ray, who is at Ray's occult, which is the only reference to Ghostbusters two in the movie, which yeah. is very strange to me. Because he's still got the number from their TV advertisements going to the store. Yeah, he's still got yeah. that number from 1984 going to the store. So that's which yeah. on a landline. Has he had that the whole time? Okay, cool. <laughs> he's ready to believe you. Always. So th- she's talked to Ray about what happened to the OG team and what happened with them and Egon and like why everything kind of fell apart and like Ray having stolen all the parts that they needed to build new proton packs and taken off to this farm and all that Egon, other stuff. Egon. 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 Sorry, not Ray. Egon. Cause yeah, cause Ray first, like first thing basically, says like, basically the business dried up, right? Like they, he says basically yeah, once, once they solved the Gozer thing and presumably also the Vigo, uh, thing. Vigo thing, there was just not that many hauntings anymore. And so like, they just, couldn't run a business fucking catching ghosts anymore. So you still think there'd be so much research to do. They'd be busy for their entire lives. I mean, nobody's discover- paying them to do research. <laughs> so you got to figure somebody's going to be interested yes, in like, I guess some uni- university or something. Yeah. should probably start actually captured ghosts. <laughs> like imagine that happened in the real world, Tim, you would change. You would go back to school to study that. At this it's point, yeah. you know what I mean, you would go. I would consider going back to school to study that <laughs> if that became real. Holy shit! Anyway, Ted Winston went off and fucking became a billionaire. Apparently, well, they got to give him something to do. They never <laughs> do in any of the movies. So, like, they finally gave him something to do between the movies. Anyway, at this point, Paul Rudd. So yeah, Paul Rudd goes to Walmart where all the Stay Puft mini stuff from the trailer starts to happen. And this is yeah. where, like, the movie's dark sense of humor really, like, we were talking about it in the trailers where, like, they're mutilating each other and shit. And that's yeah. full on display here. And it's pretty fucking funny. It's yeah, roasting. One one just walks onto the uh, hot grill and melts into it. And, like, one, one gets decimated in a fucking blender. And he, shit. The one skewers two of his buddies and lifts them over <laughs> to the grill and roasting. And then the one starts pulling himself along the pike. I was like, this is... <laughs> Sick, but I love it. I was on board for this shit. I don't know. Some of this was a lot of fun. And then, and then the, the terror dog with its head in the fucking dog food bag. That was great. That was such a good beat. And it was a puppet too. I loved it. Was a it was a puppet for that scene. That fucking dog food bag too for various dogs in my life. And yeah, the big terror dog sticks its head, uh, pulls its head out of it because the the little guys are riding the Roomba. I love that it, it goes back. Like it goes back to the. That's why I like the script of this because, like, every time something happens, it's because of something that's already they've established the bit kind of thing already. Like, there's lots yeah. of Chekhov's guns getting fired throughout kind of thing. Like, lots yeah. of A causes B causes C kind of thing that happens. So, like, the little mini state pops are the reason that the terror dog notices Paul Rudd. At which point <laughs> they do the chase scene out of the Walmart parking lot, which is so exact same fucking shot. The trailer is yeah, but it's just like. It's so mundane. You know what I mean? Like, there's almost hilarity because, like, you've been in a fucking Walmart Supercenter. We've all been <laughs> yeah. in that Walmart. And we've all done exactly the same thing as Paul Rudd. It's like, well, that date went to shit. I'm going to go get some fucking Go-sweet. ice cream and get lit up. 
because uh, I gotta go home and get super fucking baked and listen to Tool Records or whatever the fuck you know you do in <laughs> your spare time after a date goes tits up. I feel like Gary Gruber's probably like going home to watch, read, or listen to like uh, Fish Records or something like that. Sure, man. I'm like, he's one of us, right? Like, would you not have been the biggest Ghostbusters nerd of all time if they were like in the oh, real yeah. world? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you, he's totally one of us. I love Paul, the Paul Rudd character in this movie. Was just like he was there for us, and like you love him because of it. Anyway, either way, so yeah, he's possessed by. The key master, the kids now go back into the mine and down into the shaft where they find the Gozerian temple. They find the years on the wall. They see the contraption that Egon built with the four proton streams that like yeah. are set up to fire, cross, and force the portal back shut temporarily, at least it seems like, or like to yeah. keep forcing it down when it gets too hyper. We, that's where we find out what is causing the earthquakes in town. It's yeah. the uh, the seismic shift of Basically, the explosion that happened at the end of Ghostbusters is happening every, every fucking- <laughs> exactly underground under Somerville, yeah. Because this, those four proton packs are, which, like, as they explained in the movie, cause a fucking massive explosion when that yeah. happens, and that's what <laughs> happens every time. And that's what's causing the shaking to happen. When they get home, they discover that while Egon was leading uh, the mum around, so like the, Egon leads the mum around at some point, also with the PKE meter, and she goes downstairs into his little lab and sees the. The wall where he's been collecting pictures of her like he didn't abandon like he abandoned her obviously but like he didn't like forget about her he was still kind of like following her life along yeah and then as she realizes that she turns around and fucking terror dog jumps inside of her so she's the gatekeeper she's Zool gatekeeper oh yeah we should say after at walmart the terror dog gets gary and possesses him and so up his with no windscreen which i, yeah. I did like. so he becomes the key master talking about where the script like a to b to c kind of thing they busted yeah. out the windshield in that scene earlier and he runs up and slides in through the windshield <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that bit made me fucking laugh in the theater because he yeah. slides across the hood into the fucking windshield spot <laughs> i was dying the kids have found out what's going on they've seen the thing they've seen evil shandor laying there which i didn't notice when they like they show him there that it was J. Jonah Jameson or J.K. Simmons or whatever. Simmons, yeah. I'm just going to call him J. Jonah Jameson. He's been J. Jonah and Jameson. The first time I saw it, I was like, is that fucking J.K. Simmons? And then like later on when he actually wakes up, I was like, yeah, that's him. Because I had heard like on Reddit or Twitter that he was in the movie somewhere. Like he's got a cameo. And I was like, oh, I wonder what he's doing in this movie. That's weird. And when I saw him in there, I was like, did they put fucking J. Jonah Jameson as Evo Shandor? The house pricks probably did. And then I didn't see him in that first shot. But when he shows up later, when she like gets up, and they show him. I was like, oh, my God, they got J. Jonah Jameson to be Evo Shandor. Those crazy <laughs> pricks did it. Nuts. The kids get home and they find that their mom is very possessed. And answers <laughs> that there is no mom. There is only Zool. Only Zool. Which, you know what? You fuckers. I fucking laughed at that when she said it the first time. <laughs> I fucking cackled out loud. I was like, that's that's a lame, lame dad joke. But lame callback, but I'm on I'll it. Give it to you. I'll give it to you. That one, you got me. I fucking laughed. <laughs> At this point, Paul Rudd is back and just got, he's found the same proton pack contraption the kids just found, but he fucks he it up. He breaks it. Yeah. He breaks it, which causes like another explosion to happen, which I think that's what keys her to like jump out the fucking window and go towards the mine towards him, right? Yeah. It's him knocking yeah. that shit out. That, that allows the ghost to get out, and that's the signal, right? Like that yeah, was the exactly. signal in, in, in 1984. The yeah, that's the signal here is all the ghosts like shooting up into the atmosphere and in the sky. And so she's like, fuck this, I'm out. I gotta go fuck 
scary. How fucking awkward was the cut after she jumped out the fucking window? Like they didn't cut soon enough or they cut. You know, it just felt really awkward, herky jerky. Oh, I didn't notice that. Right after she jumped out the window, like the stunt woman looked like she's kind of stumbling and shit. And like, which oh. makes sense, but it's still like it looked weird. I wonder if they'll yeah. get that when they go to, like when it gets to home video, if that'll be fixed. Because it was a weird little take mm-hmm. that I just noticed. Sometimes I see that. You see that when you're watching a movie, you're like, oh, that was a weird little take. I wonder why they left that in. They should have cut that two seconds earlier or something. If, if they cut that like half a second earlier, it wouldn't have fucking mattered at all. You know what I mean? Or like yeah. CG something, you know, I don't know, whatever. She runs off to the mine where she meets Paul Rudd, who has a flower in his hair and is laying on a rock as seductively <laughs> as Rick Moranis laid across that table waiting for. No, wait. She was draped across that chair seductively waiting. Now I'm picturing her draped across the chair. Sorry. Give me a second. I'm back. <laughs> 80 Sigourney good, Weaver. Good you know what I mean? Boom. Yeah. So he's draped on the chair all sexy the way Sigourney Weaver was draped on the chair back in 1984 with a flower in his hair, nonetheless. And this yep. is the one that broke me. She walks up to him and zaps herself into the same, into a cheap looking version of that into dress. A, into a gold satiny dress instead of the red satiny dress. That it was like, I'm out. This is too dumb. Like it that's, a, that's apparently a power that Zool has. Because like in the original movie, it felt like something she would have pulled out and kind of wrapped around herself out of Dana's 80s closet Dana had already not that not that she just yeah that that one was a weird beat to me too yeah she zapped the exact a cheap looking kind of knockoff of that dress onto herself I was like that's fucking weird why do we do that like (laughs) yeah I don't know that okay I just didn't look good and it just just fucking looked weird it was just weird beat either way at this point yeah all hell's broken loose the townsfolk are being run rampant by ghosts and are kind of abandoning town and shit like that so the kids are like fuck we gotta get our fucking proton pack back because there's ghosts in town and shit so they break into the sheriff's office now that everyone has left and they let the muncher ghost this is the one thing podcast does that is beneficial to these people is that he thinks to let the ghost muncher out the metal muncher out yeah that that is the one thing yeah so let's be honest phoebe would have got there eventually I'm surprised she didn't get there ahead of him. That would have been a funnier joke. Actually, it would have been a better joke if she'd been like, you're an idiot. I don't even know why we're friends <laughs> or whatever. Because like, I don't know either. <sighs> He's going to make you make 48 podcasts. And it's not going to go well. <laughs> Never goes well. Anyway, I don't know. There's a beat with uh, Finn Wolfhard and his girlfriend, but like, I don't care. Like they, they mean absolutely nothing to the plot of this movie at all. Yeah, they, they do nothing. They're just like wallpaper pretty much. They're literally there so that somebody can drive Ecto-1 and be legal and still be a kid basically yeah. is why Finn Wolfhard is there because nobody else is going to drive the car and they get the kid to drive the car. I mean, good for him. If I'm Finn Wolfhard, that's the dream. You got to drive fucking Ecto-1. Yeah, exactly. That's that's all I that's all I want to do. I'm I'm okay if that's all I get to do. And I'm fine with this. I, when I'm in a Ghostbusters scenario, <laughs> I know with that pretty girl, didn't he? They kiss at least have a kiss. Maybe I don't uh, remember anymore. I, I don't, don't care at all. <laughs> yeah. Don't care at all. So either way, they drive back to the temple, right with Ecto One. Yeah, and podcast drives the RC car up under the mom terror dog. While yeah. Phoebe tells Gozer, who is Olivia Wilde, but is also just hanging out. This is yeah. where the movie starts. That's kind, of all she does. That's kind of all she does at the top of the building, too, to start. Yeah, but they're already there and like antagonizing her almost immediately. This is just yeah. like a 12 year old comes up and starts cracking terrible jokes in front of her and she does nothing. <laughs> but like she tried to kill the Ghostbusters, right? Like when they walk up, she's like, Are you a god? And they're like, No. She tries to blow them off the fucking roof, right? And they yeah. just kind of clamber and catch themselves and then they fucking shoot at her. So, like, it becomes a conflict quickly. Whereas this is just like this little 12 year old girl walks up to this demon god and <laughs> starts to start cracking really bad jokes. 
awful like dark <laughs> baby jokes and shit like that you know what i mean like really like i was just, i was waiting for her to get into the dead baby shit at some point but like <laughs> no not quite close but yeah. not quite Pro- this is where they lost me because this is kid bullshit this is like oh we got to make it a kid thing to do they can't just actually confront the big demon god the kid's got to play a little trick and they do and it's cute and it works because it's a kid's ghostbusters movie when they use the little rc car to trap zool off like out from around the mom you possess yeah uh cali right and then they're going to take zool again because well it's because zool and keymaster are both need to be possessing a human for gozer to be on earth i think is the way the, like yeah, what they kind of gozer explain to the rules be co- like have corporeal. Yeah. their corporeal form on earth yeah. kind of thing so if you take one of like take one of them out of there it starts to become really janky right it doesn't work properly so yeah. the kids have a plan to take yeah zool and the mom and like go back to the farm where they've figured out that like Egon has the super trap set up as like the whole farm is a trap. Now they figured yeah, out, right? Basically there to capture Gozer pretty much. Yeah. And that's what Egon was trying to do in the opening sequence, but it didn't work right. Exactly. So now there's a chase kind of scene where Gozer and Vince Clortho chase the Spanglers basically in Ecto one back to the farm. They get back to the farm. And they do exactly the same setup as at the beginning of the movie where they run Phoebe and the mom run up the stairs to where the trap setup is mm-hmm. and hold the bait trap up while Gozer walks out of the field with kind of like falling apart kind of thing. Yeah, not able to completely form. Yeah. Finn and Finn uses the seat proton pack to fire at her as Lucky comes out of the house who's been waiting in there with the other proton pack on. They start yeah. firing at her. Then the, the little mini stay puffs start fucking up uh, the, the car. And again, because like call and response, right? Like the mini yeah. stay puffs don't just have one scene. They come back and cause up another problem. They're in the back of the car fucking things up for Finn's proton stream, yeah. which shuts him down. So Gozer can pull Lucky with the proton stream towards her and like, which causes her to get the trap somehow. So he cracks the track op- trap open and then Zool possesses Lucky as opposed to yeah. repossessing the mom. So now Gozer's back 100%. And as she's walking towards like Phoebe and the mom to like attack or whatever, she gets hit by the another proton stream. And you're everybody in the fucking theater size, I guess, because like they didn't actually make a big moment. Just the three remaining original Ghostbusters walk onto screen. I cheered. Did you? I cheered. I cheered, yeah. and the other people in my theater cheered. Okay, cool. Well, I'm happy for you guys. Because <laughs> I was like, oh. No Ecto-1A, no like big like hero moment. Just they just walk. It's a bunch of 70-year-olds walking up. Eh? <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't show how they got there. <laughs> cool. No drama to this whatsoever. Just 70-year-old Bill Murray. I love him. You know, I love I love Bill Murray. Don't get me wrong, I love Bill Murray. Just 70-year-old Bill Murray draped in a Ghostbusters outfit that's four times too big for him. <laughs> sad. A little sad, sadly. Didn't quite work the way they wanted it to be for me anyway. Like it gets it, they get there, but like if I was like, oh, I was so deflated by the way they introduced them that I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So the Ghostbusters get into it with Gozer and they're snarking across about the like streams. Across the streams again, but only three of them it doesn't quite work. Gozer is able to pry herself out of it. She is strengthened in the time between 1984 and now, it seems like. Learn their tricks. Yeah. So she pulls them off and blasts them, and Bankman starts to snark as she kind of bears. So this is my problem with this, the Gozer. It doesn't do anything. She just walks around. And like, I yeah. love you, Olivia Wilde. You look great, you know? But like, you don't do shit in this movie. You do nothing. You just walk yeah. around and look good in a doomsday costume. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, she and she just she just walks menacingly towards them. I and guess like the, the most danger or the worst thing she does is throw Lucky, right? Yeah. 
basically. I mean, she had, like she turns around. So like at this point, Phoebe has restrapped herself into the proton pack and fires at Gozer. Gozer and her do like a the beams, you know, pushing back against each other thing and Gozer dual kind of beam spam yeah. kind of thing between the proton pack stream, like the particle stream and Gozer's force lightning, basically. Yeah. And we see that, like, which should be pushing, like, killing this kid is actually the reason it's not is because Egon, like, his ghost is there and is bolstering the power of her and the proton pack or whatever and steadying the stream and the whole bit. And just enough time passes that the guys get up and join, like, with her and Egon, kind of. And they they cross four streams and, like, whatever. And then Finn gets his power back. Like they figure out how to get rid of the little bastards out of the, the back of the car and Finn yeah. gets his power back. A little stun gun. <laughs> and instead of shooting at Gozer also, he has a fucking brain moment, like a galaxy brain moment, and hits the capacitors that power the trap, which is the problem they've had all the time. They've never been them. able to get the juice enough to actually power the trap on. But firing a particle stream apparently works completely fine to do that. <laughs> uh, not to, not cutting it in half, actually powering it. That's fine. <laughs> uh, which powers up the stream and they pull... Zool, Vince Colortho, and Gozer break them apart yeah. and into the into these separate Little traps. Bitty pieces of them go into all these different traps. So that's awesome. And we have send-off moments that go on for a very long time with Harold Ramis's CGI ghost, both main casts of the original Ghostbusters movie and the new cast, where he has moments with Carrie Coon and, and like he has and moments with Callie, Trevor, and Phoebe. They have like the look on. I shit you not the look on what's his name's fucking face uh when they have them looking kind of side eyeing at harold ramus's ghost like yeah. bruce broke my heart man uh dan Aykroyd's oh, face he's just so good he just looks like he's missing his like he just misses his they friend sold, you know what i mean oh they sold that so well <sighs> i was moment in particular i i got a i got a little choked up a little misty-eyed when harold started like actually yeah. showing up I was like oh they're gonna actually show him oh i can't do this all right and they did a good job of it too him and Leonard Nimoy for some reason, like in the 80s for me, were like, they were my guys, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like, oh, I love Harold Ramis. So like, yeah, when he showed up, I was a little weird about it. Like, I still feel weird about like resurrecting the dead for, you know, movies and shit like that. Like, yeah, like I'm sure he would have been cool. I'm sure he would have been in this movie if he'd been alive. You know what I mean? Like he would have totally oh, yeah. done this 100%. if he could have. It just feels weird. Like he can't make the decision to be doing it. And we're using his image anyway, just because we want to. Like, I don't know. It just feels really fucking weird. I can see that. Anyway, Race Dance tells podcast that he's his one listener, which was a good <laughs> I like that little joke. And confirms that his podcast really hits its finds its voice in the 46th yeah, episode. Absolutely. Finn opens up the terror dog that is containing Paul Rudd, who he promptly just fucking kicks to the side to go get his girlfriend. He's like, oh, you're not the one I want. <laughs> yeah, which I thought, again not bad like that was good comedy like it was a good beat i, and, I enjoyed and a callback that too right like everybody's like fuck fuck rick moranis fuck <laughs> lewis Tully, right let's, yeah, fucking, let's find the hot woman let's find sigourney weaver yeah uh, so that peter can get fucking lit anyway <laughs> what happened i see I, the denouement kind of like lo- lost me there that's pretty much it like egon like goes to the other side basically like he hugs yeah. carrie coon well, that's it yeah his he he like dissipates into the stars and then there's the four herald and then yeah. that's and then end credits okay there you go and then end credits i loved that end credit sequence with like the sketch the schematics getting drawn that was fucking dope yeah that was I good really like that the the first post-credit <laughs> scene is mid-credit scene is dancing is dana barrett sitting across from peter vankman with like with the electro thing 
that they use the, the, yeah. the electric shock thing that, that is meant to, meant, to, yeah. Yeah, meant to condition people to have psychic powers like it's they have such good chemistry too you know what i mean that's one of those like oh, yeah whatever go so back good. to they're so good together oh i love it yeah. i love it, it so nice, much nice that we know that they end up together in the yeah. long run and everything and i got really worried when the movie ended and I hadn't seen Sigourney like I knew she was I, th- I thought I heard she was in it but I was like oh man did they really not get her back did they do the, did they do it again because remember the game was the same thing where it's like did they really not get her to come back out and play like god damn it you assholes but they that did so good on. so I wonder I wonder if it's it was like yeah exactly I think I feel like it was a reshoot and like Bill Murray was like fucking a, yeah I'll do a scene with Sigourney Weaver like like why the fuck wouldn't I kind of thing so they just came back and did that one shot I bet you he hits her like a mad asshole every time they see each other. I bet you he every time he looks, I I see them look at each other. You'd be like in when they do press together or whatever. He just looks like he's got a fucking schoolboy crush on her, and he has oh, yeah. since nineteen eighty four. I I can't even imagine how fucking awful he is to her on set. You know what I mean, just like being whatever, being Bill Murray. Well, yeah. hopefully it's charming because like, oh my god, he just looks like he's in love with her at all times. And like even this this little bit. I was like, oh my oh, yeah. god, is he still is he still in love with her from the like and not I'm not even talking about the characters, I'm talking about Bill Murray is in love with Sigourney Weaver. You know what I mean? Like just it, it's all over his face every time they're together. It's crazy. And Sigourney Weaver and Dana were both having a shit ton of fun shocking. Peter. Yeah. I mean none of it either. You're like just completely like over his horseshit a hundred percent. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's one of those like that's like Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve kind of chemistry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like always yeah. and forever. Either way, uh, the last actual post credit scene after the long scroll, we are sitting down with Janine and Winston, who finally gets a, a scene in this movie, uh, aside from telling Ecto-1 that it's going to be all right and he's going to fix her up. Yeah. He tells Janine about like the business he built, but how he's always going to be a Ghostbuster at heart. And then we see him drive. They eulogize. They eulogize Egon a little they bit. Eulogize Egon a little bit more. We've been doing a lot of this movie is basically like a it's big eulogy. All to e- Egon. eulogy. Yeah. Yeah. And Harold Ramis, really. As well, as well it should be. And like, that's, I mean, how could you do essentially Ghostbusters 3 and not acknowledge Harold Ramis and the, the character of Egon, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. We see him open up the door to the original firehouse, like the old firehouse from 1984, which apparently at which some point... Which is not a Starbucks. Well, it's a Starbucks, but like, uh, I guess it's been reconverted to nothing again. Uh, <laughs> and somebody <laughs> drives Ecto-1 in and then uh, he touches the hub or like the the rim or whatever and then we cut to the old containment welcome unit home i think yeah he says like welcome home which sure fair enough and we cut down to the downstairs where we see i guess it's rebuilt but the original containment unit yeah is in that basement with a flashing red light which means i guess goes or v goes in there or something i don't know something's don't know. in there oh Either okay. Something's in there. So that's, I mean... Potential sequel. Yeah, I guess so. God, that was a, a long recap. I apologize. <laughs> we tangented a lot. So A little bit, yeah. That is Ghostbusters Afterlife. So so we already talked a little bit about our showings. I want to talk about what our showings were like before we get into the actual movie. Because, like I said, I went to like a weird Wednesday night 7 p.m. showing that I don't think many people knew was even happening. And so, like, my theater was almost empty. Like, when the movie started, there was less than 10 people. Uh, or like when I should say, like when, you know, it, it when it hit seven o'clock, there was like less than 10 people. And then there was like there weren't any trailers, but there were like those little fucking ads and shit that yeah. they play before everything now. So by the time the actual movie started, I think it was maybe maybe 30 max, 30 people max. OK, 
even with that, there were still like some cheers and, and claps at certain points in the movie and stuff like that. So what was yours like? A small also like I saw like a, because I had to see a matinee, like kind of a weekday matinee uh, in a small town. Next to Catherine's not a big city. Like it's 150,000 people or something like that. So like it's not going to be a ton of people at 4 p.m. going to see Ghostbusters 3, I guess. Yeah. Or four or whatever the fuck. Three, let's say. I mean, yeah, four, three. the answer to the call was different timeline, different universe. Sure, we can go with that. The further away, <laughs> the better. Yeah, so it was a smaller theater. There was probably about 30 people in the theater with me, 40 maybe tops. Like, uh, no no Bad chanting truth. or cheering or anything like that. It was mostly like laughing at the jokes. Like, the jokes landed for the most part yeah. in the theater. Yeah. A couple of them I mean, were like, I got a couple that were like, I mean, like some of her jokes made me laugh because they're so fucking dark, but like, and nobody <laughs> else did, but, uh, you know, whatever. So like it was, but yeah, you know, same, the same thing I usually do at most in the, like the laser projector and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. 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 All right. So moment of truth, Mark, as our like resident Ghostbusters obsessive fan, you know, favorite movie of all time. What were your sort of overall feelings on Ghostbusters afterlife? Yeah, this is a hard one because like there's big chunks of this movie that I really like, but I think overall the movie's very flawed. In terms of like if I was gonna rewatch these movies, I would rewatch. I probably I won't see. I, I've only seen it once, and I've only seen it once today, so it's almost mm-hmm. impossible for me to give you an honest reaction about what I think about it because I haven't had a chance to like really think about it. Just as I'm sitting here right now, it's not the best Ghostbusters movie I've ever seen. Is it better yeah. than any of the other sequels? It's absolutely better than 2016 by a country mile, though. <laughs> I have a thing that like I want to talk about where like I think the happy medium between those two movies may have been the perfect sequel to Ghostbusters where like mm-hmm. if you, you could take elements of the new team and like of adult you know post-grad kind of characters yeah. and then have like do the mind like do this as your first movie kind of thing where like they discover the problem and out in the out in the sticks and then it, maybe it moves back to the city in the sequel kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which I, which was a weird, frustrating part of watching this, where I'm like, oh, there's half of this movie is missing because they did that in the other se- like quasi sequel that nobody liked or whatever, like whatever happened to that movie, right? Like, I don't know. It's just weird. It feels like half of like those two movies bashed together is probably the perfect sequel to Ghostbusters. Yeah, but they're split apart into these two weird movies, and it makes it a little awkward. This is the better of the two, and this may actually be better than Ghostbusters two in terms of actually being a sequel to Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's it's. But Very, it's close for me too. I would say they're never, ever, 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 ever going to catch the lightning in a bottle of 1984. No. Is that kind of the sad part that we're at? So, like overall, I liked it, but I did not love it. Maybe I didn't hate yeah. it. You know what I mean? Is kind of where I'm at. I didn't love it, and I don't even know if I can say I really like liked it. I enjoy. I watched it, and I didn't hate <laughs> it. So that's kind of where I'm at right now with it. So I don't know. Uh, so for me, so the the critical response on this has been really divided. Uh, well, that's Rotten, too. It's Rotten like, Tomatoes, it's like sixty some percent. Yeah. Metacritic, it's like fucking forty seven or some shit like that. And and I can understand why it's been divisive with critics because critics can't stand fan service. Yeah. And this is like the textbook definition of fan service. But I am a fan, and for the most part, I was happy to lay back in this movie. Give me a slow sensuous ghost blowjob with a few little unwanted bites here and there i was gonna say there's some teeth in that blowjob though you <laughs> yeah, know what exactly. i mean a ghost blowjob should not be possible you would think a ghost blowjob no teeth right yeah, or at least it comes with its own ectoplasmic lube well that's what i mean 
So, I, I mean, my take on it is it's basically the Star Wars Force Awakens of the Ghostbusters franchise. It is full of it's full of homages, plot beats and rehashes of the first movie. And if you're OK with that, you will like this movie. It does do a few new things that I think are praiseworthy. It had some nice performances in comedy, and I think it had a good degree of heart overall. I knew you were going to go the Star Wars route. I knew it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the most direct comparison that I can draw, right? Because people said the exact same thing of Force Awakens, right? Is like it's like you know, be it's like a rehash and of uh, a New Hope, and and it is, and it I is. admitted that at the time. But I think this is trying to do the same thing there that you know it's trying to bring a whole new generation of fans into the Ghostbusters franchise. And if it does that, great. You know, if this awakens you know ghostbusters fandom in a whole new fucking you know in in a bunch of fucking zoomers then fantastic not gonna argue with you not arguing with you and it is it's but yeah it is it's packed to the fucking gills with moments for fans and references and stuff like that like homages gags and even some shots that were I basically recreated like that terror dog busting through the windows of the Walmart chasing Gary. That's yeah. exactly the the terror dog busting out of the uh, restaurant chasing Lewis. 100%. So, much, so much of that, that it was distracting. See, the problem is like when you do that, distracting I've seen, and maybe this is just me though, because I've seen Ghostbusters six trillion times. Like <laughs> I've seen Ghostbusters more than nobody's seen Ghostbusters as much as me. It's just not fucking humanly possible to watch <laughs> Ghostbusters more than I have. So like when you're doing like note for note takes, it gets a little distracting because like, I know that movie, like the back of my fucking hand, like every frame. So when you're just directly lifting frames and like putting it in the sequel, I get the impetus for wanting to do that, but it's also really distracting when you do it every third shot. Like every yeah. couple shots is a callback or Podcast a getting covered in the fucking uh, marshmallow goo and shit yeah, like that. Like, like even yeah. that, one, I was like, oh my god, they even had to get the fucking marshmallow goo in there. Like they couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, of course. Like so, I was really torn because like I like a little bit of fan service, but I don't necessarily like. I I prefer the plot to be better. So it's yeah. it's hard for me bitch about this movie because the plot is basically just ghostbusters all over again right (laughs) basically and like that's fine but that's they've never done anything different in this franchise in terms of the overall plot it's always exactly like ghostbusters 2 is exactly the same plot and the script is exactly the same different name Ghostbusters 2016 exactly the same fucking plot you know what i mean like just like with some different names in the script and then the same thing here we're in exactly the same boat which like fine if that's what all we want to do with these franchises is just like constantly soak in the nostalgia of the original <laughs> but like part of me would really like them to try and do fucking something new with these you know what yeah. i mean these concepts and shit because like how many maybe times- they do maybe now they they you know go they do a sequel to this that that they branch out and, and do something new you know maybe still with a little bit of of oversight or, or guidance from Ray and Winston or something like that. Sure. I'd be okay with that. I don't, I highly doubt you're going to get fucking Bill Murray to come back for another one of these no. in any capacity, but cause you know, he got a little, he got his nice little closure moment there, but yeah, let's see. I want to go ahead and call out. I mean, we did talk about acting, but yeah, McKenna Grace again, who plays Phoebe Spengler was fucking fantastic. I really, really enjoyed her performance. She just really nailed that like perfect successor to Egon, like awkward bookish kid kind of thing. And I felt like she very, 
handily carried on Harold Ramis's legacy through this movie overall. Yeah, she deadpan snarked her way through this movie like he did, like just yeah. like a fucking champ. So I was I also have to like give her as much praise as I can uh, without sounding weird because she was just yeah. like just crushed it in this. I was so happy. Yeah, because that was a perform like I was super leery of the kid performances in this and only mm-hmm. one of them really see the podcast didn't even great with me because it became my own little in joke. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. like Even that didn't bother me too much. I thought Kelly or like Carrie Coon was good in the role she had. I did think she gets a little, she may be the one who gets a little too snarky for me where she's like even mean to her kids like all the time. And I'm like, all right, not every line has to be like her yeah. saying something fucking nasty to her children. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it was clear know, that she weird. was carrying a lot of baggage, right? Like, because, because her dad fucking walked out on her and stuff. And like, I thought that that added a little bit of, of believability to it. And also a little bit of heart to it, like her back and forth with Phoebe about like the family stuff kind of thing. Yeah. That was like where most of the heart move and the movie yeah. came for me. And, and, you know, you could tell like she was, it was one of those, like, you know, single mom trying to do her best kind of thing and but she fucks up sometimes yeah yeah i thought they kind of hit it a little hard in a couple spots where i was like oh yeah right, that's a little yeah, bit there too were a much. Couple more, maybe a little rough i thought she and uh carrie or callie in the movie and gary had like great chemistry back and forth i called super early that they were going to end up like being zool and, and vince glortho talking about i called it on it like while we were watching the trailer for this the first time <laughs> i was like uh so that they just set the parents up to be like basically yeah. Paul bones the mom and that's the key master and i'm like i yeah. actually wrote my notes like was it. because like i called it like like two years ago when we saw the first fucking trailer <laughs> for this movie anyway yeah. you know i 100 yeah they were great together and uh paul rudd just god damn you're the charming motherfucker his vibe just works perfectly he's in this so franchise good. he's so yeah. good his does his vibe not work perfectly in like every franchise he shambles <laughs> on screen in marvel movies and i'm like ah oh, here's paul rudd we're here we're paul rudd's here we're good everything's fine yeah. <laughs> i don't know then what else oh i wanted to call out uh the one cameo we didn't mention uh muncher was voiced by josh gad nobody cares <laughs> <laughs> i know he got that because he hosted all those like uh yeah exactly all those, all those were COVID. during covid last year like i don't know yeah. did they did they not record the muncher no because the fucking movie was in the can by that point it was supposed to come yeah. out last june but I, the reason why i want to go see it again is i want to go see if they got uh ivan reitman to do zool's voice again because like it sounded oh. close but he did okay. the voice in the original yeah like that was coming out of sigourney weaver's vo- uh, mouth in the in the net so i was wondering it. if they did it again in this one and got Ivan to do it. Cause he was around, like he produced this movie. So I don't think he's credited as no. Zool, but if he is, it's uncredited. You won't know until you actually get the movie and like, can see the full credits anyway, like on, in our hands, which will probably take, I mean, it's not even a cam up yet. You know what I mean? Like that's when you can tell yeah. it's like, fuck, we're bleeding edge with this right now. So yeah. I, Found overall, I thought the production value in general was pretty high. That whole like muncher sequence where they're chasing him through the town, which was one of the ones that was all over the trailers, was pretty fun, with the exception of the shooting at children part. The gunner chair, the RC trap, I thought both of those were fun additions. Yeah, good it was little the kid, action like, set piece. Yeah, like well, like I said during the synopsis, this is the kitty ghostbuster stuff, right? Like, oh, it's a gunner chair and this is the fun part, right? Yay, RC car trap. Like yeah. it, that makes sense, but it's also just like, yeah, this is for kids. Cool. Fine. Actually, I think one of the Ghostbusters or the Ecto one toy that I had, I think had a gunner chair. It What's had one on, the, on top? the top. Oh yeah, it had the one on the top, not not one that shot out the side. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. The uh, that doesn't make any sense. The packs go in the back there, basically, right? Yeah. On the on the sliding cart. I don't know. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's funny because you never look at the inside of Ecto One, regardless of how much time you spend in it. You know what I mean? Like you never yeah. see. A, for all the the porn shots of like the proton packs and the traps and all the other stuff, mm-hmm. they never get like the inside shot of Ecto One's cabin is never really given to you. So like because it's obviously chopped up to shit, so you can do all this like have an extra proton pack and a gunner seat and all this other crap in there for the movie. It probably wasn't mm-hmm. the most comfortable thing to sit in at that point for the kids, <laughs> like in real life kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I was just glad they got the old girl running. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice to see your back. I would like to see some of that one a shit on there. You know what I mean? Like, so it's so weird. That they just ignored this. That's like the weird, like the one that's really bugging me. It's just like, we just ignored the second movie. Like they didn't make yeah. it. It's like, what? Like, yeah. I've seen that movie. It's they, You pack it in the Blu-rays every time the fucking first one gets re-released <laughs> in a new format. I get yeah, the second one, too. the other one, too. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. always buy them both. So, like, what? Why are you ignoring it? It doesn't change that much of the plot to just, like, talk about yeah, Vigo, true. either. You know what I mean? It's so weird. I don't know the Ecto-1A versus Ecto... Well, I guess it had, like, that... Uh, those LED, LED signs yeah. on them and that kind of thing. And yeah, so okay. that's what we notice is like the LED signs aren't there, which means it's yeah. not the newer car, right? Or like the Redux car. Um, yeah, there's yeah. a couple of other changes on there, but it's mostly just like it's the hazard strips and the the LEDs that I always notice aren't there. And I'm like, that's mm. weird. Why would you? Because they're there on the in the game. Like they actually added that shit to the game Ecto One. Mm. Like they had the hazard strips and all that shit on in the game version of the car, but then they didn't do it in this movie. It's like they're just ignoring everything except for the original movie. Again, like we've been over it a couple times, but it just feels <laughs> fucking weird. It is. So. It's weird. What else? Production design wise, I thought the Gozer Temple set looked pretty cool overall, and like the shit they did with the four proton packs all shooting together down into the pit and everything, all that stuff looked pretty fucking good to me. I wanted to. I wanted a little bit more of that, like, like Gozerian temple, like grossness. I wanted to see it more, like, look a little yeah. more lived in and like dirty. But I thought it looked okay overall. The production design. I mean, it's harkening back to the original stuff. Like, what I like about the production design of this movie is very much just like the stuff they brought forward from 1984, right? It's like the packs and the car and like yeah. the design of the gear and shit like that. Industrial which is, like, design and shit. So, like the industrial design and like obviously the audio design that goes along with that. Like the proton pack has. Literally oh, yeah. never sounded as good as it does in this movie, which is <laughs> like as ear porn goes, like the proton pack for me is like numero uno. So, yeah, those those sound cues were all over this fucking thing and they all felt perfect. Like even right down to the theremin bit at, at the very opening yeah, as well. That yeah. is this exact same like opening that we had in the first one. I was mm-hmm. like, OK, well. I know what I'm in for here. Like, I'm clearly just getting a redux. <laughs> they really do. Yeah, I guess they do kind of tee you up right at the opening of the movie to like, yeah, like, hey, guess what? We're not treading anything new here. We're just like, we're kind of doing a by the number sequel to this, you know, movie. Like, you're not getting anything mm-hmm. crazy, which like, I mean, fair. I, I, I don't know why I'm expecting them to do more than that, but I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, the things that they did in terms of new stuff like this, I thought that they brought in CGI nicely, like the stuff with Gozer where they're like losing corporeal form and stuff like that in the yeah. cornfield. That all looked pretty cool. They were some solid shit there. The ghosts look great. I thought the ghost design looked like harkened back to the original style. Yeah, the muncher like, design was, was good. Yeah. I like like and I like oh man I love a terror dog still fucking freaks me out oh, like, yeah. to look at it. It's still like a terrifying creature design and I love it. It looks so good. Both the CG and the fucking like actual prop the they puppet. built. Yeah, yeah for the sure. And stuff. Oh, that looks great. That's the weird part about this movie for me. Is like my favorite part of it was looking at it, getting these super like, you know what I mean? Like 4K looking and beautiful yeah. renders of all this stuff that I loved as a kid that was like basically matte paintings and like 
like some fucking blood <laughs> smeared on it and fucking yeah, and like uh through like 400 layers of film and like <laughs> you know what i mean like behind glass and like stop motion puppets and shit that exactly. are all fucking jerky and yeah <laughs> film that's been run through so many times it's got all your fingerprints on and all that shit everything looked a little muddy whereas now it's like oh my god look like look at the crystal clear detail of that proton stream that like just didn't exist yeah. i will say one thing the proton streams i still think look better when they're hand-drawn it gives them a little bit more fluidity. When they're CG, they look a little too like staticky. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't look as cool. But mm. it's just me bitching because I like I the old school stuff. Difference, but you're you're the big like fucking Ghostbusters gearhead. So it's like the effects guy. Like I like looking at like the difference between how they do shit in CGI and like how they would hand draw the particle streams in the original movie and stuff like that. Like that mm-hmm. was fascinating to me because they were like hand drawing each frame of the particle stream, like airbrush over top of it, kind of thing as an effect shot. Like, that's yeah. cool as shit. Whereas this thing is just like, oh yeah, CG point here, point B here, do a particle stream between. Yeah, all right, cool. After Effects takes yeah. care of it. So yeah, uh, and I said it uh, while we were doing the synopsis. I thought that the CGI Egon Ghost looked really good. I like that they avoided him saying anything as well. Yes. They didn't give him any lines. He was you know, he was just communicating. using an audio cue. Yeah, yeah, me too. And, and so you know, they they just let him like communicate via like looks and body language and that sort of stuff, and that worked for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was really he, dreading them giving him an audio cue. So that's I'm glad yeah, they didn't do so that. Good res- good restraint there. Yeah, thank uh, you. That's the only restraint they show. <laughs> figure like you have to figure like they're not showing any restraint with anything else. You got to figure like Dan Aykroyd and like Ivan Wright were probably like, listen, we can't. We got to be very light touch. The fact yeah. that we're even sh- like showing him is probably going to piss some people off because if like, it, it tweaked me, like I was like, oh, we're doing this. Uh, yeah, I feel weird about this, but okay. I would have felt weird if they cheaped out on it, but they didn't. They really did like fucking go for it kind of thing, and they made it look like a good, like aged up version of Egon, not like aged up Harold Ramis either, like aged up version of like 1980s Ghostbusters Egon kind yeah, of. Yeah, he thing. was still skinny. Yeah, he did put on all yeah. the weight. Poor uh, yeah. Harold Ramis put on at the yeah, end. Harold Ramis definitely did. Uh, and then the other CGI thing that I, I I thought the mini fucking Stay Puffs were adorable. All that stuff that they did was just just perfectly seamless. Like worked really well. Comedy of those guys, like the little the physical yeah. comedy beats of those, were pretty fucking funny too. And again, yeah. like that was one of the part the parts where I was like, ooh, the, the sense of humor they're playing with in here is just as like dark as the original movies was. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's the one thing that I can give this movie a hundred percent is like the sense of humor at the very least is as grim. And like gallows humory as the original movie was, and that it's all the better for it. It's probably why this, like, in the long run, this movie will become my preferred sequel yeah. because at least the humor kind of lines up a little bit better. Also, Paul Rudd, I'll look yes. at Paul Rudd all day. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of going back to the original, I thought, I mean, the moment having the boys all back in the saddle together to help save the day was great. It was super predictable, but I, I just didn't yeah. fucking care. And they all showed up to play. I mean. Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson are likely to show up anytime anybody says the word Ghostbusters. I'm surprised that they haven't Absolutely. crashed this podcast yet. but just showed up out of nowhere and be like, hey guys, we're here. We're here to talk about it. I'm actually amazed. We could probably get him as a guest on this show if we wanted to. Like, if we tried really hard, Dan Aykroyd could be a guest on this. Listen, <laughs> listeners, if you hear this, all 14 of you, and you want us to try and get Dan Aykroyd on this podcast, just to hear me on Twitter or something. Like just to hear me squee like a child, because I would, because like I love Dan Aykroyd. I don't give a shit. He talked to me about aliens for four. I would put out a four-hour podcast about Dan Aykroyd talking just to Mark rambling about, about alien and ghost shit. I'm on board. Let's get Dan Aykroyd on the fucking podcast. Let's do it. I'll listen to him talk about ghosts and shit forever. 
But that's the new the podcast. Really- He's our new third <laughs> seat. I'll take Dan Aykroyd as the new third seat. Dan Aykroyd just talks about ghosts. I'm in. Yeah, we'll change the whole podcast just for him. Dance, ghost dance. That's the new one. There. There you go. It's even better because it's dead. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's on it. <laughs> but overall, the, the one that was just a really nice surprise was that Bill Murray was not phoning it in. He really did jump fully back into that Venkman sass and dry wit and all three, all of them together yeah. had that chemistry together and really sold that final, like emotional goodbye yeah. to Egon, like where you see the three of them all with the fucking neutrino ones. And then Egon is right there beside them. And they all look over and like, Oh, this is, Oh man, I got that. That's that a, almost broke me. Fucking almost broke me in that scene when he looks over and he's like, really making, I like, Oh, actually, you know, what was the phone call too. When it, it looked, yeah. it's almost like him picking you up the, hear the pain yeah. again, almost kind of thing. And I was like, oh, oh, I feel bad for him. I feel like he like lost his best friend and he yeah. just misses him all the time now kind of thing. Either way, that was the perfect amount for the original cast to be in the movie for me. They didn't overshadow too much. They let the kids and Gary sort of be led by Egon's spirit kind of as their mentor, they let them have some space to do their own thing. And it wasn't just like, oh yeah, it's just going to be these fucking ancient dudes that are all over this movie kind of thing. Yeah. So I was glad about that. And I was, I appreciated the closure on Egon, like how they gave him such a presence throughout the whole movie. That was the one thing they didn't really spoil in the trailers too much was that like Egon was going to be such a part of the movie overall. So I was glad that they could have given him an off screen yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't spoil any of the ghost stuff with him in the trailers at all, which I'm, yeah, I was really happy about. Yeah, they could have just straight up given him like an off-screen death and moved on. Oh yeah, yeah. I would have been even bitchier about this movie than I was before if they had started to show me that, like, oh, it's going to be all Egon, it's ghosts kind of thing. I would have been like, oh, this is yeah. not going to go. It's going to be Stranger Things with Egon's ghost. Like, how <laughs> how many audio cues from the first two movies are going to be re- like recycling to get Harold Ramis's voice in there too? You know what I mean? Like, how much. Mm-hmm. Like how messy is this going to be? Not at all. Like if I'm concerning you by talking about it, you, you shouldn't be. It was handled very tastefully. Yeah, all of it, absolutely. So I'm and I feel like that was also probably Ivan Reitman's influence yeah. as well. And I, I got to say, all in all, I think Jason Reitman did an admirable job in terms of directing and capturing the overall tone and feel of the original movies. Not perfect, but. I would say serviceable. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just can't like the one big thing that's missing. We have not talked about is the, the town feels empty. Whereas Ghostbusters is very much yeah. a New York movie, right? Like the absence of New York is very felt in this movie. Agreed. That's you know one I mean? of my like, big gripes. Yeah. So like that is kind of like, and that's my last big gripe is just like for uh, a franchise that was so based in and steeped in and like used New York as a character and an environment Mm -hmm. and like all that stuff to take Ghostbusters out of there is interesting because like, yeah, eventually they're going to have to not just be in New York, but it doesn't feel right when you're doing like Ghostbusters movie. So Mm -hmm. that's a little weird to me too. But I mean, I did have that same feeling. I mean, we'll, we'll yeah. move on to guys. That was one. I missed New York City. It was such a big part. I didn't hate the small town Oklahoma City uh, no, setting me neither. And, uh, and I understand why they did it. But I, I definitely did miss NYC. Mm-hmm. New York makes a big difference as a character because you, you just anybody can show up then. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't yeah. mean anybody's in like a cameo. I mean, like you get your Janoshes, you get all these weird fuckers that are like in the 
circle or orbit of you a get some of that shit in fucking small town America too. Absolutely, but I just mean like in the orbit of like D-list celebrities, like the Ghostbusters would be, you would find all of these weird motherfuckers trying to like follow them around and stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like meeting the Ghostbusters in 2021, at, if 1984 was kind of a weird busty thing, like it seems to have been. Yeah. They meet them these weird celebrities in New York, and I'm, I'm almost curious about that too. You know, like, and we don't see any yeah. of that, obviously. So, and the, and the other thing that you get if you're in somewhere like New York City is you get a larger history of ghosts and spirits and stuff like that to draw yes. from. Because that's my yeah. big fucking gripe in this movie is that there's not enough fucking ghosts in this Ghostbusters movie. There's like two new notable ghosts in this movie. It's like Muncher, and then that minor ghost that shows up at the diner, and I guess Egon. There's one other ghost that pops out in during like a, a cut thing. Like there's a quick cut to a ghost popping out of somewhere and it's got one eye, like the laser eye ghost. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, yeah, you're right. And what's weird is like that stood out to me because it was the only original ghost design I'd seen aside from the muncher. Because it was like yeah. everything else was a rehash. Even that minor is basically a rehash of the the taxi driver from the first movie. Like it's yeah, very, very like reminiscent of like going back to the burned skeleton in the first yeah. movie. That, like, right. So in those first couple of movies, we had like those big fucking montage scenes of yeah. like ghosts causing, causing havoc all over New York city. And so like, again, yeah. going back to the, we just kind of ignored too. Yeah. like, we gripe about that whereas like a lot of world building in terms of like what the ghosts look like and how they behave kind of comes from like the way we understand that as ghostbusters fans comes more from two because you spend more time with them like actively busting ghosts just out and about kind of thing in that Mm -hmm. movie right from the start yeah yeah from the start it's all kind of already there yeah so i felt like this is a little weird yeah um i I I would like to see a couple more ghosts like Maybe when they're doing that, se- like doing the muncher sequence, they have maybe one or two other ghosts in there. Maybe yeah, when they're exactly. down in the down in the mine, like yeah. the second time, like when they find the the proton stream, like the proton packs, like wired up or whatever. Maybe they see some other ghosts aside from just like J.K. fucking Simmons or whatever. Yeah, J.K. Simmons, right? Shit, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that was my biggest issue. Is like, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think that 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 sequence where the Ghosters supposedly terrorizing the town should have been expanded a little bit more. Like, so that's your biggest gripe? Because well, I think the actual biggest gripe we should really have is with the pacing. Because I think that's what kind that of is really rips this movie apart too. in terms of like its watch, like rewatchability. Is the first hour of this movie is languidly paced, like just yeah. casual country stroll paced. You know what I mean? Like they really take their time, just cracking jokes and just hanging out and finding out why, how big a dick Egon was. Oh yeah. boy, are you going to be sick about hearing how big a fucking asshole Egon was after the first dirt hour of this movie? Yeah, yeah, dirt farmer, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that, that was over the top. They could have cut at least ten minutes of, of that. I would say. Yeah. yeah, well, and like one of the fucking he's a prick jokes would have kind of helped me a little bit too. I don't want to <laughs> believe my hero is a complete asshole, but either way. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, the pacing's a little weird. So like the first half is they're setting up, and I understand like they're setting up like the the mystery and like the family and like you got new characters to introduce and stuff like that. Yeah. But like when you're doing that with all this much fan service, it's I don't know. The first half needed to be like trimmed down in the sec it's almost like they needed to take fifteen minutes out of the first act or two and slide them into the third act kind of thing and give that yeah, like ten minutes into the I think it was a little bit, like just a tiny bit long overall. Yeah, but yeah. I think, I think, I agree. I think it needed to be a little more back heavy and a little yeah. less front heavy. Because even like the, I, I don't think it's like a horrible like deal breaker, but I do find the the, the ending kind of anticlimactic, like in terms of like because Gozer does nothing; she just walks. 
Yeah. Like I that that's what really got me. It was like she doesn't like do shit. Like shoot at them. Like have a proton pack battle. Like do something. She's just kind of menacing. Yeah. <laughs> she just kind of stand, and like honestly, Olivia Wilde in a doomsday costume is not that menacing. It's kind of hot. So <laughs> OG Gozer was kind of hot too. Well, legit, right? Like, yeah, she was a model. <laughs> she looked good. I still think they should have just gone with the bubbles again. I don't know. Either way. <laughs> I, I like the way that they updated that costume a little bit, because I, I don't think I could have bought that like 80s Gozer costume in fucking 4K on my screen. It would have just would not have helped. I'd have to see it. I think I think they, they might have gone over the top for me on that costume design. But like, I think it's cool. They got Olivia Wilde to do it, though. Like, that's pretty dope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think she she did it like she yeah. she did the movement and stuff pretty well. Yeah. But yeah. And then my last thing I know I mentioned, but just to reiterate, since we're under gripes, I found podcasts pretty fucking annoying. Yes, I'm aware of the irony of me saying that on our podcast, yeah. but I just yeah. didn't think I just didn't think the kid was a great actor. His timing was off and he had like no fucking chemistry whatsoever back and forth with Phoebe. So like I you could have pulled him out of the movie and given the couple of things that he actually does to other people. And I would have been totally fine with it. I, the other thing is, like, I feel like you got to give her a fucking friend. Unless, like, you know, maybe, like, in terms of the character yeah. herself. I wish they just maybe maybe just giving her another little girlfriend as opposed to like we have to have, you know, yeah. Phoebe meets funny Asian boy who is obsessed with podcasting and causes a bunch of late 30 and early 40 year old men to be very, very seen suddenly <laughs> or feel very seen anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anything else to say or you want to wrap this up and give it a score? Like, see, the problem I have is like, I'm sure I've got a, a million other things that I would like to say about this movie that I just saw it and I haven't had a chance to really think about it. I like right now after a first viewing, I liked it. I recommend people go see it. I think you'll have fun with it. If you're a Ghostbusters fan, you're going to have fun with it. There's definitely problems with this movie, mm-hmm. but I don't know that they're going to. I think the thing is, I think it's going to kill rewatching it. It's going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, there's too much of this. It's like all the problems are going to come up really in that rewatch. I think the mm-hmm. first time you watch it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, it feels like what I wanted from a Ghostbusters sequel. And that's kind of where yeah. I'm at with it right now. Is right now, after one viewing six hours ago, this is what <laughs> I wanted out of Ghostbusters 3 if I'm not getting the original cast to like strap back in and fucking fight ghosts again, kind of thing. Like which, the game. Which, which you probably don't want when they're all 70. When they're like 70, right? Like it's way <laughs> past the point where I actually want that. So like if I can't ever have that, which I can't, I'll take this. This is fine. This is good. Beast the shit out of the other one. Honestly, that like I rewatched <laughs> 2016 this week too. And fuck me, that movie's just awful. So this is, I was so happy. But I like, I think that's my last point. As I think that you could take, there's half of that movie. If you made, and you would lose the actress, which would suck. But like the Phoebe character and made her a post-grad and made the new team more like post-grad aged. And then you could have done like the girl team, right? In From 2016 so make, as a bunch of post-grads who also find in from 2016, Egon's daughter, granddaughter or whatever. Basically, yeah. And they, they go out to the small town and find like you do this plot with a older cast, like like that kind of cast. I think it works a lot better. Like I honestly mm-hmm. think like at this point we've gotten two sequels to Ghostbusters that if you mash them together are the best sequel to Ghostbusters, which is really <laughs> fucking weird. So there you go. Okay. Uh, uh, do we want to do number reviews? Are we doing? Is that what yeah. you want to do now? Yeah, start okay. at ten. Oh, I'll go seven out of ten, cautiously, right in the middle, basically. Like it's not bad. There's not. Yeah. A, it's not a bad movie. I will reiterate a million times. Like not a bad movie on first viewing. I just don't know how it's going to rewatch. Yeah, yeah, I was right around the same area. I was. I said like seven and a half out of ten. I had fun with it. But there were some flaws to it that I just wasn't really able to overlook. I think every fan of the originals should see this, if only because it gives a good bookend to Egon's story and has a ton of 
familiar moments that you, some of which you will hopefully enjoy. I suspect this is going to be a movie where the fan scores will end up being higher than the critic scores in the end. Yeah, I feel I think it'll fluctuate too. Like it'll be one of those ones that like goes up and down as like people kind of live with it a little bit and like you know what I mean. Well, even the critic scores did like some of the early critic scores. I think there was one point where the Rotten Tomato score was like at eighty something percent. Now it's down in the sixties, kind of thing. Fair enough. I mean, so all right, but. cool. Cool. All right. We can move on with that to our final segment, which is Geek Cred, where we just recommend something for you to check out that we think you might like. Mark, what's your Geek Cred for this week? I'm actually going to recommend a YouTube channel because I just I've been listening to this lady talk because <laughs> we've been doing ghost stuff. Right. You know, <laughs> it's called the Paranormal Scholar. And it's this English lady who just talks about ghosts and shit like that on YouTube. And I don't know why I enjoy listening to her talk. Aside from that, she's an English lady with an English accent. And she talks about ghosts and shit. But I've been listening to it. And a couple. she got a long form podcast somewhere or something like that that I was listening to while I was drawing this week. Actually, the probably the cover art for this episode. I was drawing that while I was listening to this lady talk about demon encounters and history and shit. Nice. That's just me. I'm always listening to stuff like that. I used to take books out of the library. I wanted to be a Ghostbuster, guys. I don't know if we've told anybody <laughs> that. So I'm all into all this demonology shit. Even to this day, I'll still listen to like weird podcasts about like alien encounters and stuff. So, uh, yeah, the paranormal scholar. Give her. She's. A, it's a little woo woo, but there's some <laughs> like fun like uh, stories. Like my favorite ones were the ones where it's like they get the military guys to like send in letters and like tell like the weird shit they see when they're overseas, like on deployment and stuff like that. Shit's like mm-hmm. bone chilling, like bone chilling. Some of the stuff they see. Uh, that they'll talk about. So, uh, yeah, Paranormal Scholar, if you're going to go, we'll just stick with the ghost theme because this movie yeah. should have come out in fucking October. Like, come on, Sony. Come yeah, on. That was bad, a weird take. bad call. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of questions for Sony's marketing team this week. My geek cred for this week is going to be a, a little bit meta. It's going to be for moleskin planners and notebooks because I am one of those people that still uses like a paper weekly planner, uh, like calendar kind of thing. And, I also use it for usually like taking my notes for podcast episodes when I'm it's something that I'm watching in the theater and I can't be like, you know, on my on a phone or on a laptop or something like that. Yeah. Typing out notes. Um, so I love Moleskine's planners. I've been using them for years. They've got like a that beautiful classic format and the weekly planners at least have a blank page across from the planner pages so that there's always like somewhere for you to like take Lines. notes and stuff like that. Ugh. lines yeah. in a moleskin Ugh. you monsters i'm not drawing in them like you are though yeah um, i'm an illustrator so like my moleskins <laughs> which i am also on board with tim i'm also a moleskin fan there's a uh bookshelf in this office or actually a box now probably more so uh of the last 10 years of my moleskins of just doodles yeah. and shit yeah i i've always had i have one it's it's actually finally been digitally replaced by my ipad like i've yeah. finally just stopped really carrying around a like paper sketchbook and I've really just started carrying around the iPad pro all the time, Yeah, which is weird. Like it feels weird to give that up after like I, my whole life yeah. is in sketchbooks. You know what I mean? Like everything I've ever done is like pencil on paper in a sketchbook. If it didn't go on board kind of thing. So yeah, no, I a hundred percent like the moleskins are, uh, I, I dread the day when like that goes out of business. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, I go on Amazon to like mm-hmm. buy a new moleskin and they're like, Oh yeah, we don't, we just don't fucking make them anymore. Cause nobody buys them. <laughs> I'll be very sad. Uh, and then I'll just and I'll just turn my iPad back on, probably. <laughs> but so. they have they do sometimes get licenses for uh, nerdy themed ones too. Yeah. Uh, not this, not for 2022 because I've always already got my 2022 one, which is 
think peanuts themed. They always have peanuts themed ones. It's cheap. It's a cheap license. Yeah, exactly. But they've uh, they've had like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings themed ones in past years. And last year they had a number of classic Legend of Zelda themed notebooks as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I use one of those right now for like my uh, work notebook for like taking notes during like meetings and customer visits and that kind of thing, too. So I used to carry one of those around for notes back in the day as well. I used to make (laughs) my company buy them for me in bulk. Nice. And then I would take half of them home. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right. So with that, we can finish off this episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you have anything you would like to tell us about anything we talked about this episode, Ghostbusters Afterlife, what you thought about it. If you think that we're way off on our scores or opinions of the movie or anything like that, you can do so on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. You can email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com, which we do still have access to. We found that out last week. Yeah, that's I mean, that's good. the episode, actually, we went and checked, we went and checked in <laughs> once, so, yeah, good times. Yep. Uh, and our Twitter is at DRD underscore podcast. You can tweet at me directly, at DRD underscore Tim. Mark is on Twitter at M underscore Ouellette. And if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, most other places a podcast can be found. Say goodnight, Mark. Uh, MC underscore Willette under on Instagram. Also, if you're looking for oh, doodles, okay. yeah, yep. Tim forgot me. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, have a good night, guys. Where do these stairs go? We are still ready to believe you. <laughs>